Hello, everybody! Hello, everyone. This is Anime is for Jerks. My name is Cass. I am Alex. And this month, we are talking about Shinichiro Watanabe's Kids on the Slope. I, I was about- You want to do- want to redo that one? Yeah. <laughs> this month, we're talking about Kids on the Slope, directed by Shinichiro Watanabe, and based on the manga by- I literally had the Wikipedia article open and closed it. Based on the manga <laughs> by y- Yuki Kodama. Uh, and produced by Mappa and Tezuka Productions. So I'm gonna use my psychic powers to guess how you felt about this show. Okay. We haven't we haven't talked about it really. We I'm haven't. going to guess that you were mostly bored by it and don't have any particular feelings about it. Close. Uh, right. Mostly bored by it. I have I have feelings and thoughts about the end, mm. uh, but. I thought you were going to ask me my opinion generally, so I had a quippy little. Um, What's your quippy? What's your quippy my, little thing? I don't want to rob you. My, my, <laughs> I don't my quippy rob you little thing quips. was that this easily could have been the gang forms a polycule, uh, <laughs> but, they're, but they're cowards, and so it's not. Um, so yes, so I liked the show a lot. Um, it's not my favorite thing that we've watched for the show, but I did. I did like it. It is. It, it is perhaps a little more boring than it could have been. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that it is probably the thing that we've seen on the show that is the most laser targeted at me. <laughs> so I still really enjoyed it. Good. You're going to have to do most of the talking. I'm sorry. All right. That's fine. I'm, I'm not going to. In. in in the words of a uh, friend of the show, Cass, it, <laughs> for the most part, it passed over and through me. That's just from Dune. That's literally a quote from Dune. <laughs> well, it's been a long time since I read Dune, so uh, I in, the words, in the words of Frank Herbert. So what's uh, it about? So, so it's about much, jazz. Uh, it's about jazz. So it is about jazz and Catholicism in 1960s Japan. Um, so it... In the oh, it's protag- 1960s. Yes. Okay. Um, so it is, the protagonist is a, a kid from sort of a wealthy yeah, family, but he's like oh, a, he, his name is Kaoru, and he's moved around a whole lot for in, in his life, and his dad's not really been in his life, and he's sort of an outcast. He's very much like Arima from Kids on the Slope, but not an asshole. Uh, well, an asshole, but not as much, and not as much of an asshole. Yeah, he like, yeah, he's an asshole, but in a much more sympathetic way. Yeah. He's very, he's a much more sympathetic asshole and a much more realistic asshole. Yeah. Uh, and then, not say, no, not to say that Arima isn't realistic. I mean, there are plenty of horrible, <laughs> horrible people out there. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so he moves in with his aunt and uncle in Sasebo in Kyushu. Uh, Kyushu. Kyushu. Is the, Kyushu is the southernmost island of Japan. The cutest. Well, not the southernmost island of Japan. There are islands that Japan controls that are further south than Kyushu, like Okinawa. But uh, Kyushu is the southernmost island that you will, that is visible on a map. Uh, it's the one on the bottom, as opposed to Hokkaido, which is the one on the top, or Honshu, which is the one in the middle. Um, and so he moves there and starts going to school. Um, and he meets. So on his on his first day of school, he's fucking miserable. Uh, but he gets shown around by his the, their class representative, who is uh, named Ritsuko Makai. The cute uh, one. She's cute. She's a she's a cute girl, and her dad owns a record shop that specializes in jazz music. Um, uh, foreshadowing, I think. Foreshadowing. Um, and then, 
That's not foreshadowing. Uh, we don't find that out until he goes to the record shop. <laughs> yeah, we don't find that out, but it's, it's relevant information. I know. Uh, it's, it's spoilers. It's is spoilers. what it is. So, yeah, uh, so he gets he gets there. He starts to have a panic attack because he. This is just like he. This happens too much. He goes to a new school, is like outcast, and he, and he has trouble making friends because he knows he's going to leave again at some point. And so it's just like he's not he's not having a good time. Yeah, I know. And uh, so he runs to the roof because that's like the that's place. just like coping strategy. Yeah, is to is to run to the roof, but he discovers that the key to the roof is being monopolized by this fucking Yankee named Sentaro. Uh, uh, Yankee used in the sense of like the Japanese word for delinquent, not in the sense of person from the northeastern United States. Uh, <laughs> um, so, all Yankees yeah. are Yankees. <laughs> all Yankees are Yankees. Um, so Sentaro is like taking a nap. It is. It's just. It's this just amazing interaction where he like runs up to the roof and he sees like this like vaguely person-shaped lumped lying under a sheet and pulls the sheet off and then the light goes all like like shoujo like washed out like they're in heaven um yeah and and he and like centauro has like the like glint in his eyes and looks looks at uh at kaoru and like grabs his hand and goes you finally come for me (laughs) and then they look each other in the eyes and he's just like oh wait who are you um and then there's so there's this this amazing interaction so is, is it is yeah. it is it established that like was is there someone in particular he was expecting there i'm not sure i think he may have okay. been expecting uh, Ritsu- Ritsuko. maybe Ritsuko. Uh, uh, but he so yeah so then um Kaoru really wants to go out on the roof sentaro has the key and then these the the senior smokers show up uh, and are prepared to fight Sentaro for for the key to the roof, um, and then um, Kaoru is like, "I want the key to the roof." Uh, and then there's this great fight scene on the roofs with a jazz soundtrack. So one thing that we do need to acknowledge is that the music in this show is fantastic. Oh, it except is. Except for the opening and ending. I, I don't mind the opening uh, song. There, it, the opening is fine but it has nothing to do with the show <laughs> oh no not at all yeah it's like an all right opening but it ha- it's not jazz it's not jazz it's not jazz like this this show needed to get the cowboy bebop's opening yeah but oh. they 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 were cowards they were cowards like just like they, how they didn't do the ot3 yeah they're cowards this is a cowardly show for cowards uh, <laughs> but fortunately i'm a coward so yeah, so Centaro in a in a in a um, spasm of chivalry f- def- fights for the key for Kaoru, uh, gets the shit beat out of him, and then they're both like up there on the roof, and in the rain, and it's, it's the Casablanca thing. This is gonna be a beautiful friendship. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's the homoeroticism is cranked up to ten billion. Um, unfortunately, this is pretty much as high as it gets. Well, like there are there are repeated flashes. I was always really happy with the way that Kaoru and Sentaro's relationship was was depicted as like it 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 it's not like it's it's not homoerotic in this very like fans in like a very fan service way. It's That's homoerotic true. in a way that I think feels kind of authentic. 
Yeah. Um, you know, as as these two high school high school boys who are very good friends. Um very good friends. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and like that that is one thing that, that I really like about this show is it's it's one of the things that I that it explores in addition to Japanese is it sort of pokes around at like definitions and and conceptions of masculinity. Yeah. Um in a way that I think is really interesting. Uh, like like this show, it's it's basically just a slice of life, but it is probably the the most thematically chewy slice of life that I've ever seen. Thematically uh, chewy. Um. So yeah. So during that that jazz fight on the rooftop was when I made the note: this show whips. Uh, <laughs> and that was what that was what I was completely sold on this show. There was nothing that this show could do to make me dislike it. it was <laughs> after that. Um, oh yeah, right. Because the fight happens, and then Richie gets Richie gets access to the key from Sentaro, and then then they go up the next. It's like the next day they go up to the roof when it's raining, and then Sentaro is like, "This isn't any fun at all." Right, uh, right, right. right. Uh, uh, then, yeah. So he, yeah, I think yeah, I think um, Kaoru has another panic attack and goes up to the roof, and Sentaro follows him. And it's like what? Yeah, and it's like what this this isn't what the hell this isn't fun at all. And Kaoru is like, of course not. I'm not up here to have fun. Uh, and then they have the homoerotic scene in the rain, yeah. um, where Sentaro like basically says his sort of character defining like like sentence, which is nothing good's ever come out of being scared. Uh, and then after that, they go back into school and they're like toweling off and being in the rain. And Sentaro is drumming with some pencils on a desk, and then uh, Kaoru asks him. Is that jazz? Is that jazz? Is that jazz? And he's like, yeah. Are you a musician? And it's just like, yeah, I play classical piano. It's like, classical, huh? What a drag. <laughs> um, you know, um, so then uh, there's... So yeah, so then Kaoru asks Ritsuko uh, where, where he can purchase records. And then Ritsuko asks, is like, oh, yeah, you come, I run my family, oh, it's a record store, come, come by, you should come and visit. Um, you know, I'll show you where the classical records are. Um, is that when he has his, 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 his vision? Of- uh, yeah, of you can play the piano even though you're a sailor. <laughs> no, 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 no. When he, like, when he, when he's first, like, when he has the, every time, like, Kauri says something in their first, like, couple of, interactions he like interprets it really flirtatiously oh, yeah, it goes yeah, into yeah. like he's like you know show your vision yeah he's uh, like, do you know any record shops in town that sell classical music and then and then she's like oh you can come to my family shop and then it goes like you understand what i really mean don't you counter <laughs> or like spread out yeah on, yeah like a bed yeah and then he, he's like is this how kyushu girls behave <laughs> Um, and then, so they walk into the record shop, and I got completely fucking nerd sniped by this shot where they're in the record shop, and and like like Ritsuko is like showing him the classical section, and just so like all of the records in the shot are like I don't know if they're redraws. Most of them appear to be like just like glossy JPEGs of the covers of various records. Um, uh, and I got totally nerd sniped of just like going through and trying to find out what record each cover was. <laughs> You know, because like right next to Ritsuko, there's Miles Davis's Kind of Blue, and then uh, right, also right next to Ritsuko, but like, but like below her, there's there's Bill Evans's Portrait in Jazz, and then there's yeah, there's there's just a bunch of amazing stuff in this shot. Um, so so Ritsuko invites Kaoru down to the basement where um, 
he meets he meets Sentaro again, who demonstrates uh, the the Wikipedia article has the phrase in the store's rehearsal space. He encounters Sentaro, who demonstrates intense jazz drumming. <laughs> Which, <laughs> but yeah, so he plays this like just fucking crazy like post bop jazz solo, um, and it, like it's like Rico. It, uh, Rico, only jazz is allowed in here when when tr- when she tries to bring ring uh, Kaoru all the way down down at the basement. Like, oh, maybe he could play piano with you. Um, <laughs> and then there's this great exchange. So one thing that the show firmly believes is that uh, the song "Monin" by Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers is the greatest song ever recorded, and, and they are 100 percent correct. That song fucking whips. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I was reading on the Wikipedia article after I finished the show, um, like, about, like, some of the, there's a bunch of, like, production details and stuff like that. And apparently all of the jazz in the show, like, all the jazz performances for Kaoru and, or all the jazz performances in the show were played by jazz students that Shinichiro Watanabe found by searching on YouTube. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Um, and so this is something that I noticed immediately, which is that the the animation of Kaoru's piano playing and Sentaro's drumming is fantastic. Um, like, especially, like, I, I a lot of the time, especially in, in, in animation, like, but also in live action, when people who don't, who aren't musicians are asked to depict fictional characters playing musical instruments, they do it really badly. Um, and I found out that, like, they got... So, in addition to recording the songs, they also, like, recorded, like, video footage of these jazz students playing the music. Um, so that they... So, and they mo-capped off of that. Um, they did this only for Kaoru and Sentaro, though, and I know this, because once, once Ritsuko's dad starts playing upright bass, uh... <laughs> It's animated wrong. It's not. That's not how you play upright bass. Uh, this is. Oh no! So, so this is a problem that you see all the time in live action footage when in live action movies when they tell just somebody who doesn't know how to play the bass to like pretend to play the upright bass for a shot, or when people animate playing upright bass because playing upright playing upright bass. So I'm not an upright bassist, but I know how it works, and I've seen people do it. It is, it is violent. Um, so you, so the, the way that people generally animate, um, upright basses or, or pretend to play upright basses, they pretend to play it like they're playing an electric bass, which is that they use two fingers and they sort of walk up and down the strings. You can't do that. If you do that in a room where somebody's playing a piano and a drums, nobody will be able to fucking hear you because you are playing too quietly. Um, <laughs> the way that you play upright bass is you use both of your, 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 your uh, index finger and your middle finger, and you have to do this like chicken wing motion and just like slap the string really hard. Otherwise, nobody will hear you because the upright bass is a very quiet instrument. Uh, and it, it's just a, a pet peeve of mine to watch to watch ba- uh, badly animated upright bass or badly badly faked upright bass footage. Um, the trumpeting is fine. Everybody knows oh. what playing trumpet looks like. A wag of the finger, then. To yeah. But yeah, if if you if you take nothing else away from this episode, if you are ever required to pretend to play upright bass for any reason, it, you got to use a lot more force than you're expecting. <laughs> like you've got to you got to whack that fucking thing. <laughs> Watch a few YouTube videos. Yeah, watch a few YouTube videos, maybe, of somebody playing the upright bass. Uh, anyway. 
So Sentaro goes over to the piano and play and is like, I know I can play the piano perfectly fine. And he can't. The only thing that he knows is to play on the piano is the opening riff to Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers Monin. And, and he plays it and he's like really bad because he, he can't, because there's like a left hand, like a chord, chordal accompaniment that he doesn't know how to play because he can only use his right hand uh, on the piano. And then Kaoru is like, no, 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 no. I've heard this song. It goes like this. And he plays it, but he plays it just like completely straight ahead with no swing. Um, no swing. He's got no swing. Um, and, uh, but he can do, like, the left-hand chord part, um, and then they, they both get really mad at each other, just like, you ain't got no swing! Um, and so then, uh, you know, after this, Kaoru goes upstairs and buys a copy of, of Monin, the album that Monin is on, uh, and then goes home, um, and spends a bunch of time, and this is episode two, uh, is that he spends a bunch of time, like, his parents are out of the house, nobody's nobody's in the house. Um, his weirdo sister. <laughs> well, well, his weirdo sister appears in the first episode, and she's like, the, uh, there's a, a baffling scene where he, he goes down to the piano, uh, and then she's, it's like really early in the morning, like before school, and then she's like, oh, play, I want to hear a tune that'll wake me up, and then he sits, and then, and then he's, he sits down at the piano and plays Claire de Lune. Well, first he's like, no, it'll, it'll, it'll yeah. make... Aunt yeah. Ma- Auntie Mad, and she's like, "I'll I'll cover for you." <laughs> and then she she does not marry a voice. She will not cover for him. She just fucking immediately throws him under the bus. <laughs> as soon as yeah, she like, comes down. What 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 is the purpose of the of her? I mean, maybe she was a bigger character in the manga, and and they, yeah, like she doesn't really serve any purpose in the anime. Yeah, I mean, like like the, the I think the purpose that those interactions with her and with her family show, shows how much of sort of he how much how out of place he is in that house i guess you know like it, it's it's that scene serves less to build her character and more to build kaoru's character as like yeah kaoru, kaoru being like this person who's just sort of doesn't quite belong in the place that he lives in yeah um so so nobody's home and so he's you know he runs upstairs to their turntable and like listens to the opening of Monin and then runs all the way and like he's like transcribing it onto onto note paper and it's oh it's so I fucking love this scene it's so it's so real like in terms of of the process of like especially if you're a classical musician like the process of learning jazz and just like realizing that it's way more complicated than you thought that it was um because he's just like I thought I understood the distinctive features of jazz but reproducing them is proving to be extremely difficult so, Sentaro has a bunch of, like, uh, delusions of grandeur about having, like, a jazz duel against Sentaro, and then, uh... Wait, against who? Uh, Kaoru has a bunch of, like, delusions of grandeur about oh, having yeah, yeah. A, uh, a jazz duel against Sentaro and winning winning the, the heart of, of Ritsuko. <laughs> um, right. And then what actually happens is that he's walking home from school, and then the senior smokers uh, kidnap him and tie him to a statue of a lion and then pull his pants down. I thought those weren't the seniors, because then when Centaur showed up... Uh, oh, yeah, those aren't the they, senior like, smokers. They just kind of look they, like him. They were, yeah, they were just the punks in his class. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Because, um, yeah, they're like, he's like, are you in our class? Yeah, a bunch and of punks like, show wah, up. wah, and- wah, 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 wah. Show up and and uh, kidnap him, uh, and tie him to a tie him to a satchel line and pull his pants down, and then Sentaro, and then like Ritsuko sees this happen, and then goes and gets Sentaro, who then fights all these guys, and then there's this, 
<laughs> amazing scene. It's like a Benny Hill fight scene. Yeah, it's a Benny Hill fight scene where, like, Sentaro is doing all this, like, cool fight stuff. And then and Kaoru is, like, he's, like, a, Kaoru is, like, a drunken master or something. Where he's just, like, he, like... Falls into like a pool full of water, like right in front, right in front of them. Like falls into like a well, <laughs> and then they're all just like looking at him. And then that gives Sentaro the opportunity to like come up behind him and kick him in the head. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, and from that time on, they were friends. And from then on, they were friends. Um. Oh yeah, right. The the other thing that happens to the soundtrack in that in that scene is that so like when Centauro is fighting is fighting them, there's all this like cool like post bop kind of like jazz stuff. And then as soon as Kauru gets involved, like the soundtrack switches to like just full ragtime. Like it's just <laughs> and it's just this like very like r- rinky tinky kind of piano kind of piano stuff, like turn of the century piano stuff. And then when they're both fighting at once, the soundtrack just like it blends them both together amazingly. It's one of the best things I've ever heard. <laughs> Um, oh, it made me so happy. Uh, uh, so then, Kaoru is like, "Oh, we're gonna go. Do you guys want to go hang out?" Or, or like, Kaoru asks, uh, asks Ritsuko, like, "Hey, do you want to go like study some together sometime?" Because like, he, he really he wants to like get to know her better. Uh, and she does not pick up on the hint. Uh, and so they go and study. And this is when um, Kaoru finds out that both. Ritsuko and Sentaro are Catholic. Um, because it's like, oh yeah, go meet, well, Ritsuko is like, oh yeah, meet me behind the church, you know, Sunday morning at at this time or whatever. And he's like, oh, he doesn't really think anything of it. He's just like, all right, that's just a place to meet because it's just a place in town. And then he's walking by the church and he's like, oh, she's not here. And then walks by like one of the church windows and then looks in and is like, holy shit. Holy shit. They're Christian. What? mind-blowing um and so much much to Kaoru's chagrin uh they aren't studying and they are and they are joined by Sentaro where they go they like is this is this the one where they go they go out on on the boat yeah and there's just yeah yeah they go out on the boat and they they travel around and they go to like a, a cliff and then dive off and then like Sentaro is the one like paddling the boat and Kaoru gets like really like mass like his his fragile masculinity acts up oh boy and he, yeah and then he's like and he's like I, let me let me let me pilot the boat let me paddle the boat and Sentaro is like oh, oh okay and he's just He's just nobody's having a good time anymore at this point. Like he's, he's, he's just going in a circle. Yeah, he's just going in a circle. He's taking. He's doing so much effort, and then he ends up at the, ends up getting at the wrong beach. Yeah, they land at the wrong beach, but then they meet Yurika. <gasps> Yurika. Um, and and Centaro so, again just completely to, emasculates Kaoru. So to keep keeps in your mind, uh, Ritsuko is the cute one. Yurika is the hot one. Yurika's the pretty one. They're okay. I I I because I feel I feel like hot carries with it connotations of like sluttiness that is not mm. at least at the beginning is not uh, fulfilled by Yurika. Okay, fine, fine. The pretty yeah. one. Okay. Anyway, Centaro p- gets pogged out of his gourd. He gets pogged. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're all we're all so poisoned. And, well, I was I was trying to. I was gonna say he does the like the Donkey Kong thing where the eyes go poop poop poop. Um, Did you say the Donkey Kong thing? Or whatever. 
Like, because what he is is, is like a cartoon coyote from a 1950s serial where he, yeah, his eyes yeah. pop out of his head but when I he think, sees a pretty lady. But I think Donkey Kong does that too. Donkey Kong has no sexual impulses whatsoever. <laughs> and Centaro, like, he's more like a Donkey Kong than a Roadrunner. Or he is whatever. much more like a Donkey Kong than a Wily Coyote. Anyway, uh, I couldn't think of a term for eyes popped out of your head, so I said eyes pogged out of his head. But rather, I said eyes. <sighs> it's been a long week. He gets pogged. He sees this pretty girl who he he helps because she's uh, she's like being being harassed by these men. It's, it's totally a it's like fully a scene from from Yakuza. Yes, yes. So like in, in the in Yakuza games, like you get into street fights like every ten seconds. Some of them are like they just come up to you. Sometimes you interrupt like some punks harassing someone. Yeah. And e- either it's a dude who they're shaking down for money, or it's a woman who they're uh, harassing. Trying to assault. And you, yeah, you break it up, kick the shit out of them. She gives you a silver plate. <laughs> yeah, she gives you like a silver plate that you can sell at the pawn shop. Centaro does not get a silver plate. No, he does not get a silver plate, and he doesn't even get a girlfriend out of it. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. Fuck. Spoilers. But anyway, he did a really bad painting, though. Oh god, that painting! <laughs> god, that painting! He doesn't even get the painting. <laughs> He doesn't even get the really bad painting. <laughs> anyway, we'll come he, to the painting. He doesn't come, even we'll get, get a big Toblerone out of it. So, uh, so Kaoru uh, sees that um, he's he's Gaga over Eureka. Has an, like, um, we didn't say it explicitly, but uh, Sentaro and Ritsuko are childhood friends. Yes. And so Kaoru probably has a bit of kind of like jealousy and security about. Oh, about yeah. I'm looking at my screen chest. Well. <laughs> so where Kaoru is like swimming in circles on his side with only one arm, and he's like, this oh, is the right. only way I know how to swim with my head out of the water. <laughs> he's such a little goober. Oh, God. But anyway, so he's like, oh, good. Sentaro uh, is interested in Yurika, not Ritsuko. Uh, my path is clear, basically. So, and so he 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 sets himself up as matchmaker for Centaur and Eureka, and is trying is trying to be all cool uh, yeah. about like how to telling Centaur how to how to how to woo a girl. Oh yeah, because they have this they have this just incredible conversation where they're the hanging out in Centa- in Centaur's room, and Centaur is is like, oh yeah, uh, or like they hear like a weird noise from outside, and <laughs> and Kaoru is like, who is that? And then Centaur is like Sarah, and there's Kaoru's like Sarah, and then Centaur is like my girlfriend. And then, she, and then he leans out the window and is like, what's wrong, Sarah? And then it cuts and it's just a pigeon. It's a pigeon that he keeps in a cage outside of his window. <laughs> and then he says her full name is Sarah Vaughn. Is that, is that a historical person? I don't... I think I googled it. I don't recognize it. Uh, Sarah Vaughn was an American jazz singer. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, right, it's, yeah. It's, Spelled spelled uh, V A U G H A N. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Her full name is Sarah Vaughn, which like the idea, the idea of a pigeon with a first and a last name, is very it's funny. Just... So yeah. So then after that, there's the scene where um, where Sentaro, with the assistance of Kaoru, asks out Yurika, um, and Kaoru is like standing like 
30 feet away <laughs> behind like a concrete wall. Yeah. <laughs> and then Centaur like walks up and is like, and then like very like, st- like stammers and asks her out. And then Kaoru is like, <laughs> is like, oh, Jesus. And then he like hides, he like hides even more behind the wall. Like that's going to work even though Yonika already saw him. <laughs> um, See, and then, and then Centaur is so b- bashful about it that he goes like, like, does he bring over Kaoru for like no, moral support? Sa- no, he said he says that I want to. He says something about how I want to cultivate our friendship. Uh, and then <laughs> Kaoru like, like this script on his hand. Yeah, and then Kaoru like with his head in his hands is like that idiot. Cultivate our friendship, um, and uh, then Yurika because Kaoru is the one standing behind the wall, like looking to see how things go, and Sentaro is the one actually asking her. Yurika comes to the conclusion that Kaoru is the one who actually wants her to come. Right. Because um, well, yeah, is it is it then or is it at the at the day of the date? She's like, "Who of you is actually asking me out?" And Centaro, Centaro is like, "Yes, him." No, that, that's and Kaoru is like, "What the fuck? What's wrong with you?" <laughs> um, so yeah, so then back on, so then they all meet up for the date. Because uh, Yurika is not aware that that Ritsuko is, is going to be there. Because yes, uh, Kaoru's clever, clever scheme is that they do a double date. Yeah, Sentaro and Yurika, and him and Ritsuko. Yeah, but then both, every, basically everybody except Kaoru and Sentaro are under the impression that Kaoru is after Yurika, right? Uh, and that Sentaro is just there for moral support. And then, uh, but. <sighs> Yurika, Yurika catches on pretty quick. Like, she sees how Sentaro acts around her and sees that Kaoru is mostly making eyes at Ritsuko. And so they kind of end yeah. up... Ritsuko split. does not catch on at all. No, she is a little silly one. Yeah. Uh, so but, well, she, do, she does the very very end right when well she does when, because Kaoru literally tells her to her face well wait is that before or after the giant onigiri you don't deserve this giant onigiri because <laughs> uh, yeah that's when Kaoru realizes that Ritsuko likes Sentaro at, oh, yeah. at the end of the date when uh, Sentaro and Yurika are yeah. talking and then uh, Kaoru and Ritsuko are eating and then at some point, yeah, he sees that she's prepared this <laughs> just huge fucking onigiri, yeah. and he's like, and his Boy, his little brain, years. his little brain finally puts the pieces together that uh, Ritsuko has a crush on Center, and he's like, "Fuck." Uh, yes, Fuck. Yeah. yeah, that's when that's when Kaoru realizes it. Uh, right. But Ritsuko does not realize that Kaoru has a crush on her until later. Right. right. Until Kaoru literally tells just, her. Well, just kisses her without asking. Uh, no, that happens later. Oh, okay. No, the first thing that happens is that Kaoru plays Someday My Prince Will Come. Uh... uh and then, and then says, and then Ritsuko is like, oh, this is your practice round for when you confess to oh, Yurika. Right, right, and then right, right, is right, like, you right. fucking moron. <laughs> you don't deserve this big onigiri. <laughs> uh anyway 
So, oh yeah, also in that episode, uh, Sentaro, Karu walks in on Sentaro, what appears to be Sentaro and y- Yurika having sex. Oh yeah! Uh, in the school. But in then, the school! In the school, but then in the, in the next episode, Sentaro is like, no, I was posing for terrible painting. <laughs> Don't worry what about a it. terrible painting. It is. It's. <laughs> <laughs> It, the more I looked at it, the more I liked it. Is it that's with the thumbnail, right? No, I it, it, I don't know if I have a good screenshot of it. It's a it's a truly ter- it's a truly terrible beautiful painting. It's like his torso is like just way too long, like he looks like a centaur but like without the horse bottom. He's got like eyes and he's like I, yeah, he, ha- he has blue evil eyes. It's it's yeah. It's really something else. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so I don't know if there's anything important until June shows up. Should we? Is is there? Uh, oh well. In in episode Jenichiro. four, Sentaro is when when Karu explains to Sentaro, or Sentaro explains to Karu that Sentaro is. Uh, uh, mixed Japanese American, uh, and mm. his family does not like him because of that. Right. Um, because episode four is the one where Kaoru just kisses uh, uh, Ritsuko without right. without asking. Um, right. And then I so there's there's this bizarre interaction in episode four where Kaoru like they're walking down the street and like they're they're all bundled up and like Kaoru is like winter in Kyushu is so cold and I'm like. What are you, the fuck are you talking about? And I went on the fucking Wikipedia called The Average December Temperature in Kumamoto is 59 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the fuck out of here with this co- it's a, cold that's bullshit. A, that's a lovely temperature. 59 degrees Fahrenheit is, like, the ideal temperature. What are you doing wearing a coat? Like, where the wait, fuck are you from? The sun? You Wait, you, you're... I thought you liked hotter temperatures. No, I like colder temperatures. Okay, good. Most of my friends are, are trash. Yeah. No, I have I have taste. Okay, thank um, you. But yes, uh, so so Kaoru they have the Kaoru is with Ritsuko and they have this conversation about how cold Kyushu winter is, okay. which doesn't make any fucking sense. So so this is after she's initially rejected him, right? After he played his little ditty and she was like, "Oh, it's for Yurika," and he's like, "No, it's for you," and she's like, "Uh, is that yeah. how it goes?" Okay, yeah. I don't I don't know if the, I actually don't know if there's a scene in this episode where she actually rejects him. Okay, because well, he says, "I don't need your answer right now," uh, uh, and so then they just, I there's no like th- this is like okay, so alighted, kind of- but there's I imagine that there is a scene somewhere where they just they just both awkwardly walk out of the record store yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. without exchanging any more words. That 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 sounds about right. Um, so yeah, so and then she runs, so she runs away, and then he runs in, and then Kaoru runs into Sentado again, uh, and then. Uh, Kaoru, like, blows up on Sentaro, because Sentaro is there with his family, or, like, with, with like, his, all the kids, and his, his, he, like, lives in this house with, like, a bajillion oh, kids. right. Uh, so and true. then Kaoru, like, blows up on him, and he's like, you have a loving family, you know, you have more than I could ever want. Like, he just says all this fucking asshole dipshit stuff. Oh, right, because he's, um, he's feeling so sorry for himself, because Kaoru didn't yeah. like the kiss. And then Sentaro's like, fuck you, you don't know me. Yeah. You don't know me. You know anything about me? You'd never even asked! Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then there's a bunch of flashbacks with with Sentaro, like, basically, basically establishing his character and how his dad was, like, super drunk and isn't around anymore. 
like because he moved away um yeah that's pretty much it for that episode is that they have basically they have a heart to heart and and then they both realize like uh well i guess we're we're both the grass is always greener huh like i guess i guess it's shit kind of sucks then you know neither neither of us we can't really be jealous of each other Um, well yeah it it, it, it doesn't quite stick for kaoru unfortunately but we'll uh, get to that then okay so yeah so they go so then they go to the they've been like practicing for performance with because this is the episode where junichi shows up right yeah Uh, yeah oh yeah they're 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 playing at the american bar Yes, and so Junichi and then Ritsuko's father, um, they so all Junichiro go to... is... Uh, is it Junichi or Junichiro? It's Junichi. Okay. Uh, so he is just a childhood friend, right? Not there's no Yeah, he's like a family friend of Ritsuko's Sentaro's family. Yeah. Um, and he's a college... He's a, co- a student at a college in Tokyo. Um, and he's, he's cool. Back, yeah, he's cool. He plays the trumpet... You know, he's handsome, um, and he um, uh, so that and the, so while uh, Junichiro is home for Christmas for like winter break, uh, they decide that, oh we're gonna we're gonna go and play at this like local bar for American soldiers um, and play play a jazz show, um, and then uh, so then they go they go to the bar and then Yurika meets meets June for the first time. And then she does the eyes popping out of her head at him. Yeah. And, and the love triangle is, is in full swing. It's like a love heptagon at this point. Yeah, it's true. Except uh. it's more like a love, like, snake. Because, <laughs> 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 I mean, like it is. Like, it's like, Kaoru likes Ritsuko, likes Sentaro, likes Yurika, likes Jun. Yeah. Uh, so then they play, they play Blow in the Blues Away uh, by Horse Silver. At, at the bar, and then there's this fucking angry American dude uh, who gets who gets really mad that they're playing black music. Um, and Sentaro gets fucking pissed and tries to go beat the shit out of the dude. And they're just like, "You can't! Like, you're not gonna you're not gonna win this argument, dude." Well, uh, you can yeah. at least beat him up, but you are not. Uh, you're not. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to accomplish anything in this situation. It might feel good, but yeah. So he walks out. Uh, so yeah, so Hugh walks out, and then they play, uh, uh, but not for me, with just uh, Sentaro or uh, Kaoru on the piano and Junichi on the trump. Uh, Junichi singing actually, yeah. um, because they don't have they don't have a drummer anymore. Uh, uh okay. So then next episode, wait, so Kaoru, wait, 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 what did they sing? Uh, they sing, but not for me. But not for me, and but, um, which is a that's it's, that's the song that Ritsuko will sing later, right? No, that's uh, my favorite things. <gasps> okay. Yes, but not for me. Do, yeah. Does this but song come up a, again? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it, it comes up again. Um, see, that's, that's one thing that we haven't haven't brought up is that all of the episodes of the show are named after jazz standards. Um, so the first episode is named after Monin. The second episode is named after uh, Summertime, which is a song composed by George Gersh- George Gershwin for Porgy and Bess. Um, but it's, it's one, it's, summertime is actually one of the most, I think either the most recorded or the second most recorded song of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, so my Prince Will Come is from, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Uh, I mostly am familiar with the Miles Davis version, uh, cause it's a Miles Davis album called Sunday My Prince Will Come, which is really, really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but not for me is another, uh, George Gershwin song from the musical Girl Crazy. 
Um, and it was in that was sung by Ginger Rogers. And then I think probably the version that most people are familiar with is probably the Ella Fitzgerald version, but it's also on the John Coltrane album, My Favorite Things. Um, so what is the thematic importance of this song in this episode? Well, cause, well, cause it comes, well, cause it comes right after Sunday My Prince Will Come. So it's, it's Sunday My Prince Will Come, but not for me. Hey! Uh, it's, yeah, it's not that clever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is good. Um, and so, so then the next episode is called Lullabies of Birdland. And Lullaby, Lullaby of Birdland is a song by George Shearing. Uh, Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put links to, to some of the my favorite recordings of these these songs in the description. Um, so Birdland is a jazz club in New York City. Uh, it is called Birdland because Charlie Parker used to perform there a lot, and Charlie Parker is known as the bird. Uh, anyway, so uh, Kaoru is just like, is d- completely fucking despondent. Um, you know, stops practicing jazz at the record store. And uh, that he, his dad comes home or comes to visit him um, and, is, and gives him this letter from his mom or gives him a letter that he has containing with, with his mom's address on it. Um, and Kaoru is like all torn up with about whether or not to go visit his mom because he's never he's never really met his mom. Um, you know, he has this picture of, of his mom that he keeps in his room, but he, he doesn't. Uh, so uh, Sentaro convinces uh Kaoru to go on to go to Tokyo to visit his mom to see his mom for the first time and then Sentaro decides to join him um on Road on trip. this uh on this train train trip I guess uh and there is there there is a uh there's a pretty good interaction there's this there's a scene in between these two things and I'm not quite sure when this happens I have screenshots of it but I'm not quite sure when it happens I believe it happens at the end of episode 4 or at the beginning of episode five, where oh yeah, it's at the beginning of episode five, where Kaoru stops going to the the, the record store, and then um, or he's he's like despondent in the basement of the record store uh, and like can't really play, and he's like it's over, she hates me, and then goes uh, upstairs and is playing with uh, with one of Sentaro's siblings, uh, and then Ritsuko comes in like by there they have like two tin cans tied together with a string that go through the front door <laughs> right, of the record right, store. Right. Um and then um and then Ritsuko basically talks to him through these these two tin cans tied together with a string and it's just like I, I'm flattered but I don't have the same feelings for you. And but, then there's there's a scene I don't remember why this happens where Sentaro, also, that also that she doesn't hate him. Right. Hmm? Also, that she doesn't hate him. Right? Yeah, she doesn't hate him. She can't like stay mad at him for for anything he did. But I don't know why this happens. But Sentaro like comes to Kaoru's house in the middle of the night and b- breaks into his breaks into his room. Oh yeah, he climbs up on this tree. He, like yeah. eats himself through the window. Yeah, um, I think that that's in episode five. Um, I think that that's also at the beginning of, of episode five when Sentaro is trying to convince Kaoru to go. Uh, to go on the train and visit visit his mom, and so mm-hmm. then they they go they go on the train and there's there's a lot of shots in this show of people sadly looking at onigiri. <laughs> uh, is is a thing that I noticed because <laughs> there's another shot when when Kaoru gets on the train, uh, to go visit his mom. He's like sad. He he because Sentaro gets on the train with him and brings him brings him a bento that that Ritsuko made. Um. And and Kaoru is just like looking, just like gazing with tears in his eyes at this onigiri. <laughs> and every time I'm like, man, I, that's how I look at onigiri too. Um, so yeah, so then they get to Tokyo and they go to the place where his mom works. Um, and then 
Sentaro talks to talks to this lady who's outside and is, and and he's like she said it's your mom's day off today and and that she'll meet you here tomorrow afternoon. Uh, and so then they decide to go and visit Junichi to see, I think, to see if they can stay at his, at his dorm. Right. Uh, and then they show up and they find that his letter, his letter slot on his dorm door is just like, is stuffed full. Um, and then some other guy is just like, hey, do you guys know Junichi? And it's like, and they're like, yeah, where is he? And it's like, yeah, he's been missing since last month. Mm-hmm. And, it, and um, they're like, the rumor is that he got it in bed with some, quote, some faction, and now he's in hiding. Uh, and it's possible that he's just shacking up with some girl, though. <laughs> um, and so then they decide to just hang out and get drunk with these college students. As one does. So then the next day, they go and meet up with Kaori's mom. Who's very funny. Who's very funny. She's great. I don't have a lot of screenshots of this interaction. I thought I took more. Uh, the only screenshot that I have is her looking at Sentaro and saying, I've got a thing for men with a hearty appetite. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so like this this interaction, if I recall correctly, helps Kaori sort of process. Oh yeah, it's right, like, she like a- asks him like, oh, do you have a girlfriend now? Like, or is there some girl that, you're, uh, that you, you've got yeah. eyes on? And Kaori is like, no, no. Um, uh... Yeah, and so this is just, uh, this is when I made the note that this is just a show where Kaori just goes around making girls cry. Uh, uh, because, like, and then, you know, Kaori gets really embarrassed and his mom starts laughing. Um, and then he realizes how stupid this, this whole thing is, like, how seriously he's taking, how, how seriously he's taking this. And he's just like, man, it, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, he goes, he goes full cheerful nihilism. Yeah, it tells uh, her all about his, his, his failed, his doomed love. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then they go to they go to the train station to leave, and Cowder gives his mom a recording of the, the Chris Connor version, or the Chris Connor album where Chris Connor sings Lullaby of Birdland. Uh, Santaro says, jazz sounds best when it's sung by a woman with a husky voice. God, this is like an our relationships thing. Like, my mom hooked up with my the drummer and my friend in my jazz band. <laughs> um, fortunately, Cowder's mom never shows up again. Well, uh, fortunately, only in that she doesn't get a chance to jump on Centaro. Yeah. Yes, fortunately, unfortunately, only in that she's a great character, and I'd like yeah. I'd like to have seen more of her. Yeah, she's great. Oh yeah, here is the. Uh, Here's, uh, this is when we get to really see the terrible painting that Sentaro modeled for. Yeah. Is in, this, is in this next episode. I also, at, for some reason in this next episode, have the note, Kaoru gets red-pilled, and I'm not sure. <laughs> gets red-pilled. Yeah. Uh, this is also when they meet, uh, what's his name? Shinji? Uh. Seiji. Seiji. Um. Um, so they meet, so Yurika, they, they go to see Yurika, who's working on this terrible painting. God, his eyes are just no, nothing in there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's such an amazing painting. Yes, uh, and it, it's a, supposed to be a painting of Apollo. Uh, right. Which is, is actually, so like the English title of this, this show is Kids on the Slope, but the Japanese title of this is actually Apollo on the Slope. Yeah. Um, meaning what? <laughs> I have no idea. They they give some fucking explanation. Oh yeah, uh, the the 
the like myth about Apollo like being after this girl who gets turned into a tree and then right. he he makes a leaf uh, like a wreath out of it. I'm not right, actually right, sure. Right. I didn't I, I like you would be I think more qualified uh to to talk about this than I would be. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I forget the details of that specific. I mean, um, she's like a nymph who Apollo falls in love with, chases around. She's like, no, she. They run, 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 and then she gets to the river where her father, one of the river spirits, lives, and she's like, help, 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 and he turns her into a tree, and then Apollo's like, fuck, I can't fuck a tree, and so he makes. You're clearly not trying hard enough. A little wreath for his head out of out of her branches, <laughs> and that's which is kind of like having sex. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I remember of the speci- of that specific little 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 fable, uh, and yeah, I'm really not sure. How yeah, I that... don't. I actually don't know if there's a connection. I'm not enough of a classicist. We should get your dad on this podcast. We should, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the connection is. I mean, in terms of the idea, like the idea of like forbidden love, the idea of a bunch of people who are in love with each other but can't be with each other for various reasons. Well, but it's not even forbidden love. It's just, it's just, it's just like she doesn't want him. And well, she's a tree. <laughs> and she makes like a tree. <laughs> she makes like a tree and gets out of here. <laughs> it sucked, and she hit the bricks. <laughs> okay, we're not. We, if anybody who listens to this podcast is a classicist and wants to tell us uh, what the Apollo symbolism is. Uh, yeah, uh, at that at, yeah, at that point, yeah, I, I was not in critical mode enough uh, to, for anything to pop up at me. Yeah, so they meet, so they meet Seiji, who's like in this, you know, flowery, uh, very, uh, a very, little, little, a very fruity, effeminate child. boy. Yeah, with um, a little thing that means you know um, they're yeah, a bimbo. Uh, they're a himbo. No, bimbo. Bimbo. No, it's. I think it's like a slightly different class of empty head yeah uh, definitely the, the little the little tooth usually signifies more of like a uh like a like a like a casually delinquent a uh, sort of childishness is what i interpret from it yeah i think that's right um and he's definitely so yeah so he's like he wants to be famous and he's really into the beatles and, and sentaro is like fuck the beatles we the only jazz in this house <laughs> um so and and then both both uh Kaoru and Santaro are like do you do you remember that guy from last year? Um uh, uh and then they talk about I don't remember why um they t- they're talking about my favorite things from uh the sound of music. And and Ritsuko uh is like you know I wanted to see that movie, but bef- but before I knew it, it had already stopped playing. I bet it was a good movie, huh? How could I miss it? I guess I thought I'd be able to see it any time. And then she says, "I'm pretty dumb, huh?" Because <laughs> um, she and what she's talking, she's she's not actually talking about the sound of music. What? Because um, this, this is the scene. This is sort of this. Ha- this scene happens sort of around the time when, um, when Sentaro is like most looking like he's in love with Yurika. 
um, yeah. or uh, and so so Rutsuko is just sort of convinced that she's Mr. Chance uh. um, with with Zentaro. Um Oh yeah, that's this is why I wrote the day that Kaido gets red pilled. Um, because he, he, he's like in the basement with Sentaro and Sentaro is like, he's, he's either asked, he's like either asked or Ben asked All by Yurika right. out on a date to go and get like something nice from, from the store. Uh, and Sentaro and Kaido is like, well then I'll give the perfect advice for a romantic beginner like you. Don't go. <laughs> um, on a one-on-one date, you're sure to freeze up and blow the whole deal. And then he like <laughs> leaves, he leaves the practice space and is like, walking in the street, he's like, I wish everyone would just stop falling in love. <laughs> he's totally, he's totally red-pilled. <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh dear. Uh. Um, yeah, and so like in, in, in for for there's like a couple episodes stretch here where Kaoru is just like Kaoru just like goes full incel. Um, yeah, he's, he's a bit insufferable, especially at the beach. Imagine, yeah, is that is, jumping ahead? I think that's jumping ahead. Yeah, that's jumping ahead because that that's sort of like the the apotheosis of Kaoru's red pillness. Um, because between then and now is like the, the um, you know basically Sentaro and and Kaoru start drifting apart because Sentaro is like. He gets given, um, he gets given the, the Beatles record by, by Seiji, yeah. um, and then takes it into the jazz, into the jazz practice space. And Kaori was like, I thought of the jazz is a lot of here. Um, <laughs> and then he's just like, is he going to listen to that record? What am I so anxious about? And it, it's, I mean, it's so fucking real is the thing. Like it's, <laughs> it's totally like, it's some of the most authentic, just like teen romance brain poisoning that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like he's so jealous of yeah other pe- other other people yeah and other things yeah impinging on Centaro's time yeah. with him. And what, one thing that I really like about the show is that the show totally has sympathy for him, but also does not tolerate his bullshit. <laughs> um, like it's 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 a lot of like the second half of the show is just sort of him being confronted with the consequences of his stupid actions and beliefs. Um, yeah, you know, and so then he goes. And so then, then at school, like he's talking to Sentaro is talking to Seiji and is like, and and Seiji is like, "Oh, did you listen to that Beatles record?" And Sentaro is like, "Nah, I can't get into music." But this girl's squealing over it. <laughs> um, and, and Seiji's like, "Isn't that the purpose of making music?" <laughs> um, so Sentaro, and so then Sentaro gets like recruited yeah. into plot twist. Yeah, Sentaro is is the gay one, and Seiji is straight as hell. Yeah. Uh, Gets, gets like recruited into the the rock band that that uh, Seiji is starting, um, which which also includes that that like nerd bulk, nerdy bullcat kid who turns uh, out to be a killer bass player. He's a guitarist, actually. Fuck. Okay, scratch that from the podcast. Edit it <laughs> Absolutely out. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's just. I thought yeah, he, he didn't just... volunteer to join the band until the beach. Uh, yeah, Centauro doesn't volunteer to join the band until the beach. Yeah, that's correct. Um, yeah, and then there's that other, yeah, he has, so, like, there's nerd, but we do see nerd bullcut kid auditioning with the guitar and just, like, shredding, just, like, shredding some surf guitar. Um, and then we, we see the, that other kid who just, like, doesn't really show up anywhere else, but he has, like, the, the the Paul McCartney viola bass. Well, he was, he was, he was one of the bullies, right? Who tied up. He was one of the bullies. Yeah. Yeah, right. He's that bully, uh, he's, like, the, he's, like, the leader of those bullies. And so yeah, his, so Seiji's like, I'm bringing Sentaro, and he's like, ah, no, yeah, right. This that actually makes that makes a lot more sense, right? Because then Sentaro's like, hey, why do we we let's go clamming by the beach? And then Kyoto is like, the fuck is clamming? 
Um, and then they all decide, Kaoru, Sentaro, and, and, uh, and Ritsuko decide to go. Uh, Sentaro continues to insist on referring to it as a threesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, they all decide to go, to go to the beach and go clamming in a threesome. <laughs> Uh, and and Kaoru is like totally just like set, and he's just like, if I, I need to prepare myself, if if those two, if if those two have a romantic moment, I'll just casually get out of their way and just pray for his happiness. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's 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 fighting against his incel. Yeah, right now he's he he's putting up a fight. Well, because the thing is, is that this is this is like the other like angle on the incel is like the very like like the noble suffering of <laughs> like this is another sort oh, of like brain yeah. total brain space that you can get into of just like if I because like he doesn't say this to himself but like his underlying belief is like if I nobly you know sacrifice myself on the altar of letting her fall in love with this guy eventually she'll break up with him and fall in love with me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that, totally that, that kind of like, just sort of completely passive, just like total lack of confidence incel, incel dude, where you, you, you overcorrect the other direction where you're like, well, I don't want to be, I still like her. So I don't want to like, you know, think that she's like a bitch or anything for not falling in love with me. So instead I'm just going to like massively overcorrect and just become, you know, like I'm fucking dying on the cross over here. Um... Which is what you're really into, Ritsuko, right? You love it when guys oh, die on the cross? Oh, shit! Oh, shit! <laughs> you, oh, you went there. I did go there. You, um, oh, wow. Wow. Anyway, obviously that doesn't happen. Yeah, so they're at, they're on the beach, um, and, and Kaoru is like, as as uh, they everybody goes over to go hang out with Seiji, who's like this, he's real charismatic. Yeah, everybody like, likes him. Coincidence! Uh, they're both at the beach at the same time. The two yeah. gangs. Uh, and then Kaoru is you know digging digging clams in the beach all by himself. Um, grumpy, grumpy, grumpily. You know, thinking back to all the times when he's when he's had friends and then they've they've abandoned him, which is. I mean, like that. This scene was when the- I realized when I was when I realized that Kaoru and I are of two souls. No. Uh, I f- I fucking like this specific this specific episode, the scene at the beach and all that stuff. All I related to Kaoru so hard. I def- I'm not like that anymore. But I there was definitely a period in my life when I was huge like that. You know, just very much. And so uh, Kaoru uh, they gets in, just gets into a big fight with Sentaro because Sentaro like agrees to go with um, with Seiji and just and, like practice with them for the uh, for the the school culture festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's like, and Sentaro is like, oh, like, I'll have to, like, practice less with the jazz band, because I'm gonna practice with this, but as soon as it's over, you know, I'll be gone for a little while, but as soon as it's over, we can get right back to playing jazz. Uh, and Kairu just doesn't fucking believe him, and, like, you know, throws the bucket down and runs and gets on the bus. Um, you know, and then he, you know, just goes, goes to, like, maximum sort of, like, self, self-isolation of just, like, like, if, if I can't relate to other people on my terms, I'm not gonna relate to other people in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Uh, where he's like, I know, I act like an angry little kid. Being separated from him scares the hell out of me. Since coming here, I'd forgotten that, that I'm not good at getting along with other people, and it's it's better this way. After all, I've made it this far all on my own, you know. And and it's it's just this total sort of like self pitying bullshit of just like, oh, I just I just don't get along with other people, you know. My being an asshole is just is justified because people people just don't like me, you know. If they it's it's for their own protection that I push them away. <laughs> it's just yeah, the self perpetuating sort of yeah. Then 
Uh, we found out that John Coltrane died. <laughs> um, and, and there's a great scene where Santaro talks to, to Ritsuko's dad and, and is like, uh, it's like Ritsuko's dad is like dressed in like funeral clothes. Uh, and, and Santaro is like, who, who died? And, uh, Ritsuko said it's like John Coltrane. He's like, oh my god, John Coltrane died? And he's like, you didn't know? Like, well, I guess there's no way a rock and roller would know about it. He's <laughs> just the sickest burn. Uh, and then Yurika shows up, and then Sentaro and Yurika go to try to go down into the practice space in the basement, and then Junichi is there. Dun 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 dun. His grand, oh, not so grand return. He's not so grand return. Now he's like all shaggy, looks like a fucking dirt bag. He's he's everybody's favorite favorite dirt bag, and he comes out of the basement, and then Sentaro gets Sentaro gets really mad at him for like disappearing like this, and just like just. For a bunch of just like nonsense stuff, and then punches Shinichi in the face and walks out of the, um, walks out of the record store. And for and for, um, treating Eureka just very flippantly. Yeah, because because they had they like I think we skipped over that they do kiss at one point, right? I Earlier so. on, um, Junichi Juni and, and, and Eureka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They Down do when they the first basement. when they when they meet um, in the in the basement of the uh, in the basement but, of the but he's an asshole and didn't clarify that it was just a kiss. Yeah. So, uh, so she went into overdrive and then he disappeared and now she's pissed and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so that was another reason why Centaur punched him. Although I don't actually know that all of that stuff is too... Centaur knows about that stuff at that point. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, he, I, yeah, I mean, he knows that Yurika likes... June and that and he and he he sees June basically blowing her off as he crawls out of the um, basement. So it might just be that, um, which is, which is wait. So it, it, yeah, in in which case it would be it would be less righteous indignation and more just jealousy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, under a thin uh, under yeah, a thin I definitely guise, think that, that when uh, Sentaro punches Junichi, it's it's more way more out of jealousy and, and less out of out of anything that has to do with with protecting Yurika. Um, so then there's a school festival where Seiji's band performs with, with Sentaro and then well, th- there... th- when, when do we learn what happened to Junichi when he, during that I think gap? it's in the next yeah it's in, it's in episode 8 after that okay yeah. okay so t- before then um, we've got the school fest yeah um, and then uh, in the ultimate fuck you to rock and roll you know you can't <laughs> you know they, they need they need a amplifiers to keep playing so when the amplifiers stop working the show stops oh but, fuck but jazz is all jazz is all about unamplified instruments, so so they can keep playing. So so yeah, so they're playing the band, and then the the power stopped working for their for their amplifiers in the middle of their performance. So uh, so so yeah, through so their instruments stop working. Kaoru is like he's working at the festival, so he like looks around and back behind back. He's like looking around backstage to try to find the source of the problem. Um, and then he overhears, uh. Sentaro saying that he only helped with the band because he wanted to help Seiji support his family because Seiji is also poor like Sentaro and Seiji like wants to become like a huge rock star so that he can he can you know basically make something of himself oh. um, and then Kaoru realizes that Sentaro is not like abandoning jazz for rock and roll and was just helping out somebody um, and that, that his, his basically his whole shit was completely 
which was just, in, it was just in his head. Yeah, it was just all in his head. Like this, he just made up this uh, a complete a conflict that didn't actually exist. And so then he goes back out front and he sits down at the piano uh, and starts playing. Uh, he starts playing my favorite things, I believe. And uh, and then Centaur realizes what's happening. And then they play. Uh, and this is this is like the this is the fantasy of a jazz nerd. This I was going to say this would absolutely <laughs> never happen. But they they play this like medley of a bunch of different jazz songs, and like the entire school comes out to go see them play because the power of jazz, man. Um, and like <laughs> it is, it is the corniest fucking shit, and I loved it. Um, but it is, it is absolutely. It's it's just it's like ads, it's, people are people are opening the classroom doors. Come on, come on, come on, come on! You gotta like, see these jazz dorks <laughs> cramming into the auditorium. Yeah, That's you know, and then true. they become they become famous. Uh, you know, the the school over for their jazz performance. <laughs> um. Okay. So then, so then, in episode, I basically immediately in in. In episode, we find out what happened to Junichi, which is that he was he was disowned by his father after he came back in the summer because he, so he went to college in Tokyo and then he stopped attending school and then started the Japanese student movement. started started getting involved in the Japanese student movement. Um, so the Japanese student movement was like a thing throughout the nineteen fifties and sixties, but really reached sort of a fever pitch in the ni- in the in nineteen sixty eight when. Um, where it, and it was very similar to the, the sort of American student movements that were happening around the same time, and it was primarily driven by opposition to ANPO, which is the Joint Security Treaty with the United States, where like basically Japan had makes an agreement with the United States that if the United States is ever attacked, Japan will join them, but there's also no agreement the other direction. Uh-huh. Um, and also they were protesting against the Vietnam War, and and specifically there was a really big conflict in. In 1968, where a bunch of students tried to, like, basically barricaded an airport and tried to keep the Prime Minister of Japan from visiting South Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other thing that happened in in 1968 was that a bunch of several universities, many universities across the country, and most notably a couple of universities in Tokyo, I think, um, I will link this article uh, from Socialist International, which is about... Uh, basically, basically the the, his, the history of it, um, where um, oh yeah, it was at Nihon University, which is, is is also in Tokyo, where basically a bunch of the students basically just occupied the university, and they kept the teachers and the faculty from entering, and they took control of the university, and they started running their own classes and having guest speakers in, in and like organizing this stuff, and they were basically talking and you know basically having making all these demands about how they didn't like the way that that the universities were being run, they didn't like the you know, and, and also they didn't like the, the way that the country was being run. They didn't like the, the relationship between the United States and, or the, the relationship between Japan and the United States. They didn't like Japan's, you know, complicity in, in supporting the Vietnam War with, you know, that the, the United States was involved in. Um, and so this, that is what Junichi got involved in was, was that sort of stuff. And so he, so yeah, so, Jun, so now Junichi's back in Kyushu and he's living in like a tiny shitty apartment. Um, and Yurika goes and, uh, to like visit him because Yurika is like still totally in love with June after this, after this, this interaction that they had in the basement. And my, my, my two, my two notes, uh, for this episode are, oh no, she's going to try and fix him. And then in all caps, oh no, she's going to try and fix him. (laughs) Um, yeah. 
so she goes into Junichi. She like get Junichi like invite invites her into his apartment, and then Junichi like tries to assault her, and then she is just like, "Do whatever you want. I don't care." Because she's uh, just she's trying to fix him, man. Um, and then Junichi is like, "Well, it's not fun if you're if you if you if you're not gonna if you're not gonna fight me over it." Uh, Did he really say that? He didn't say that exactly, um, but that that was basically it. Um, um, where Junichi and because and, and and this is definitely the sort of the sort of thing that happens that happened to Junichi is that he sort of almost a sort of similar thing to Kaoru, but like worse in in that he sort of performatively adopts this sort of like dirtbag dirtbag asshole thing because he doesn't think very highly of himself. Yeah. Um. Um. You know, he you know is trying to push people away because he doesn't think that he's worth and for anything. And 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 it, like especially now he's got this almost like survivor's guilt because his, yeah. his like best friend in the student movement uh what happened to him exactly his hands got smashed by a riot shield and uh, so he can't play the saxophone anymore you know and junichi you know like he he got out of that that shit as soon as as soon as, soon as he saw that that was happening because he wasn't he was he was scared he was he wasn't willing to to put himself on the line for what he believed in in that in that to that degree you know, right. so he he sort of got cast out of the student movement and is also disowned by his family because he's not going to college anymore and he's, you know, just just living his worst life. Um, but I actually like Junichi. I have been trying to work out what my feelings are about Junichi since I finished watching the show. I fin- so I finished watching the show about a week ago, which is why it's a little hard for me to remember what what happens in it. Um, but it's, it's like because initially. I had very conflicted feelings because on the one hand, because I thought that what it was going to do was going to was going to do the standard. Oh, she's going to try and fix him, and it's going to turn out that he's a dirtbag, and then he's going to and then she's going to get hurt, and we're going to you know just see this just fucking awful shit. Uh, and I wasn't looking forward to that, and especially because of the way that I thought that the show was positioning, like him as being like this dirtbag asshole, and like you know him as sort of the representative of the student movement. Um, and and just being like, oh, now the show's gonna get into like this fucking anti-socialist bullshit, and, and I'm not here for it. Um, and then it turned into something different yeah. than that, um, and wound up having a much more sympathy for the student movement than I expected it to, and also much more sympathy for Junichi than I expected it to. Um, and also simultaneously, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I because it's like I don't. I would. Do you have any thoughts about it? Because I do. I I'm trying I mean, to work out whether or not I think that Junichi's character arc is good. I, I, I mean, good in terms of compelling. No, I don't. I didn't find it especially. Uh, like he, he, like he ends up like less of an asshole than he's in the middle of the show. Yeah, I mean, like, he Which grows as a person and sort of stops and, like, finds a way to make something of himself, in a, you know, and, and, like, is is sort of pulled out of that sort of depressive dirtbag spiral. Yeah. Um, but also, I dislike the implication that it's, like, Yurika's job to, oh, to, like, fix him. But also, I'm not sure to what extent the show <laughs> thinks that it's her job. Yeah, or, like, she's really, like... Because I don't... I Because... It, it doesn't feel to me like the show thinks that, like, oh, it's her responsibility. Like, right. I think that the show thinks that it's something that she did, but not necessarily that it's, like, 
advocating that this is something that she sh- ha- that, that like she should have done. Not that it's right. saying that she shouldn't have done it, but it's it's saying that like you know I think it's a little because I. And this is, this is where my, like, I, cause it's, it's, it's subtly different from a lot of other ways that I've seen this kind of plot line or character arc done in other stories. Uh-huh. And okay. in a way that makes it difficult to sort out, like, exactly what it's trying to say. You know? Yeah. Like, because on the one hand, I actually kind of like the notion that this show has that there's no one who's unredeemable. Right. You know, and that, that I think is another theme that sort of runs through the entire show is that like when these people, like it, nobody who is, his vil- is villainized at any point in this show remains a villain for the entire show, you yeah. know, and, and the show doesn't really have any villains, but like nobody like, yeah, who, like even, even like the class bullies, like what ends up being in yeah. Seiji's band. Yeah. Uh, it turns out to be just kind of like a weird, nerd yeah and we realized like oh he's just doing that like for the reason why bullies do shit which is that they're insecure you know he wants some modicum of power um because he's actually kind of a a loser um you know or or seiji even like when seiji is first introduced he's just this like fruity weirdo um (laughs) you know and and and, like the show like very much is on the is on the side of anybody who would look at him and be like fuck this guy um but then by the end of the show it's 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 still not like totally like yeah go seiji but it's it's definitely like one can understand his perspective a little bit more and he the show stop allows kaoru and by extension the audience to stop conceptualizing of him as like an adversary you know um because that because that's of course the other thing and and i guess like this has a little bit more to do with the ending but like the, the the show's theme, the, like very corny theme of like jazz music versus rock music, uh, <laughs> and and like the the thing that this show winds up being about at the end, because this show is also by the end of it very aware that jazz music is not popular anymore, um, and and that like if you are a jazz musician, like the nineteen sixties are like the waning days of jazz, you know, like they're the last unless you're Miles Davis. You know, like, this is the last time that, like, jazz musicians will be big in the popular consciousness in America and certainly in Japan, you know, like, and, and you know, this stuff is being rapidly replaced by rock and roll. Um, and it, like, the sort of bittersweetness of that, but also, like, it's, it's sort of soft rejection of Seiji's assertion that the point of making music is to be famous, um and that rather and and that's sort of the other thing that i really like about this show's conception of what it means to make music is is that like it it ta- it is a it is a show f- from the perspective of musicians and it's a show that centers the experience of music on musicians as opposed to like the way that we usually experience music which is centering the audience you know we center yeah. listener listeners of music you know and argues that like there's totally a point to making music even if nobody hears it you know because performing music is a kind of experience of music uh, yeah. that i really, yeah. really like i like the show a lot but yeah like and i kind of like that junichi's character arc i can't like neatly in my head sort it into oh this is a good representation of this or oh, this is mm-hmm. a bad representation of that like i like that it's it feels real in a way you know and that's that's the thing that i think about this whole show is that it it feels real in a way that that 
a lot of the shows that we watch on this this podcast and a, don't. And a, and a lot of slice of lives in particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's in large part because most slice of lives are like shoujo, whereas this is Jose. Yeah. Uh, you know, like this is a, a manga for an audience of adults, you know, or, or yeah. the manga was for an audience primarily of adults, you know, and that allows it, even though it's about teenagers, you know, it allows it to be a little bit less idealistic yeah. um, and a little bit more... You know, like this is how people actually are, as opposed to like being very like the so the way should, that I think so they, so they yeah, should be. Yeah, a, a lot of like shojo and shonen manga is very like sort of uh, yeah. opinionated. Well, we t- yeah, we we talked about this yeah. uh, in in place of the universe and probably elsewhere of kind of the like the pedagogical or didactic yeah. aspects of a lot of media aimed at young adults. Um, and yeah i mean this was it, a it, large part of what we talked about in the ava episode yeah and was, how and how for better or for worse like it it kind of overtly sees itself as responsible for like promulgating like kind of prescriptive yeah. idea like like human dynamics as opposed yeah. to descriptive yeah whereas like a show like this which is intended for an audience primarily of adults or at the very least older teenagers has the ability to sort of know that its audience like won't take everything that the show says at face value yeah or at least as as endorse it at, yeah as endorsement yeah because uh, yeah with with like with a lot of the the arcs in other slice of life like characters of a conflict and then it basically shows us how it can be resolved in a healthy way yeah uh in in this case often often in the middle like it the show definitely some of them we get that um yeah. like but especially like not all of them and especially and more so at the ending the um things are less neat yeah yeah um, and that's a big part of why I really like this show is because it doesn't it doesn't feel neat and tidy, you know, because I think it's very tempting to take somebody like Junichi and like especially what he does with his like sort of interaction with Yurika in that apartment and just and, and just be like, well, this guy belongs directly in the garbage can, you know, and like it, I think it would be easy and popular to just sort of like have his whole character arc just be like a spiral directly into the toilet where he then dies <laughs> or something like that, you know, and like. Uh, yeah, that's one yeah. way to handle it. But on the other hand, like I appreciate how much empathy this show has for yeah. all of its characters. Um, anyway, so then Yurika uh, cuts her long hair and she she gives herself <gasps> like a like a, a blunt bob kind of thing. It's a good look. Yeah, it's a good look. Um, I don't know why Junichi just has scissors lying around his apartment. Like if you're like if you're just like if you've just been like disowned by your family and you're like living in like a crappy apartment in your hometown and you can and, like you don't talk to anybody ever. Personally, maybe my first purchase would not be a pair of scissors. Maybe he's making origami. <laughs> you don't cut with origami. Origami's only folding. Uh, pa- paper. Paper uh, craft. Snow snowflakes for Christmas. <laughs> in the middle of summer. <laughs> He's getting a head start. What, is, what else is he gonna do? He's got no job and no. He's like neat. he's like uh, that job that you can get in Persona Four, where you just make where you make envelopes in your bedroom. Exactly. But I also think that that's just folding too. Fuck. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know why this guy has a pair of scissors. Anyway, he's horrified, and suddenly he realizes he's responsible in some vague way for this weird girl sitting on his floor. Yeah, he's like, oh, I should not be an asshole because I care about this person. You know, he he's trying, he's trying, because like, because almost like what he's doing in that, in that scene is that he's trying to play the dirtbag. You know, he's like, yeah. well, this is, this is the role that has been consigned to me, uh, you know, by, by circumstance. So I got to get into it. And then he realizes like, ah, oh, fuck, I can't, I can't be the uncaring asshole because I actually care about people. Shit. Piss. Shit. Um, and then the mortifying ordeal begins. Yes, uh, and then we get a little montage of of like him in college, you know, reading the decline of a false system and like going going on student strike, and you know the the this is where we get the flashback where uh, his his friend gets, gets his finger smashed and can't play a saxophone anymore, mm, you know, okay. you know, and he says now I can just dump everything I don't need and just focus on the movement, um, you know, and this is where this is sort of where I felt sort of the most conflicted about this show's opinions of the student movement, although some of it in the later episodes, some of the stuff that it talks about the student movement is a lot more sympathetic. Um, but um, but but in, in this specific scene, I'm like, oh, is this going to be some bullshit about how you can't have art under socialism or whatever? Um, <sighs> but I don't think, one, I don't think it's that. And secondly, I think that the concern that it has is is kind of real. Or like, or at the very least, like, I think that like the idea that like political organizing is a full-time job is real you know no, that's it's, true you know it, it's totally it's totally real and it's, it's something that like i could certainly never do it i have too many interests uh <laughs> to like just devote my entire life to yelling at people about communism uh, yeah and i can't deal with people <laughs> oh yeah yeah it's definitely such a like or or you can look at it as, as like junichi not being like selfless enough to right. be able to fully devote himself to a fundamentally selfless movement, you know, like he's he's a little he's a little different than that. Like he he cares a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit too much about himself, yeah. um, you know. So I, while I I always have my fucking guard up about this this sort of shit, so I think I interpreted these scenes in a more of a negative light than is necessarily deserving. Because I was scared of what the show was going to turn into. Well, sure. I mean, that's always yeah. like <laughs> yeah. we were we were talking before about how yeah my my guard was up during Utena. I think a lot uh, more than yours was. Yeah, I mean specifically like like about socialism. Like it's always I'm always just worried when I'm watching these. Shows <laughs> no, that's why I was. That's why yeah. that, that was the ten of me. That was it was socialism. Oh really? <laughs> Yeah. No, it was it was the it was the heteronormative shoujo elements that I could could never quite trust the show to actually jettison by the end. Uh, uh-huh. Turns out it mostly did. Anyway, yeah. uh, wrong show. We're wrong talking show. about Different Kids show. on the Slope. Uh, uh, at some point, Sentaro oh, comes yeah. up to Jinichiro and sees and sees Eureka chilling in his room, uh, and gets yeah. pissed about it. Yeah. Um Yes, right. Um yeah, right. That happens and then and then Centro tells Kaoru about it and Kaoru is like, Are you an idiot? You there's somebody out there who's already in love with you. Oh yeah. Uh, which is at this point, Ritsuko is starting to realize that she's actually in love with Kaoru. Yeah, it's uh, like uh, after like no, I forget when it is, but yes, yeah, gradually over the like the second half of the show her affections shift 
And so, but yeah, Kaoru, in, in, who's still in his, uh, in his, still busy nailing himself to the cross, yeah. uh, has not noticed that. And so he's like, God, Centauro, you already got someone in love with you. Stop complaining. Yeah. Please. Uh, and then suddenly Centauro realizes, like, oh, he's talking about Ritsuko. Uh, so then Centauro, like, basically apologizes to Ritsuko for not, like, noticing that she was in love with him. And then Ritsuko, like, in that moment, just sort of had, it just realizes, because she's, she's been, like, sort of, um, there is this, this moment where, like, uh, Kaoru is, like, very angrily playing the piano and, and is, like, frustrated with himself. And he's like, you know, don't fall in love with her again. Like, no, you, you this, this doesn't hurt, you know, like, you, this doesn't hurt at all. Um, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Um, so, yeah, so Sentaro is like, yes. Um, yeah, very awkwardly is like, I don't. I don't have feelings. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not attracted to you anymore. You got radiation. it wrong. And she's like, <laughs> great. Me neither. Thank God you didn't tell me this earlier. <laughs> He's like, what? Nothing! Um, uh, so then... Uh, so then Ritsuko starts uh, knitting uh, a sweater, or knitting gloves for Kaoru. Uh, and then Kaoru is like still totally just nailed nailed to the cross. Is just like I hope you finish in time, you know, like like for 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 him, you know. She's like, why do you say things? And then she's like, why do you say things like that? You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She like yeah. W- once she finally finally has the lay of the land, <laughs> she has no time for his nonsense. Yeah, but then she realizes like, oh, like obviously the reason why he thinks like that is because I actually literally rejected him in the first place. Oh, um, you know, yes. and she's like, oh, even if I finished knitting this, I'd never be able to give it to him. Uh, and then she, oh, the, oh yeah, then she like dumps the trash. Yeah, she dumps it in the and trash, then, and, and then, but then after the Sentaro thing, then she goes and, like, digs it back out of the trash with the help of Yurika. Yeah. Uh, and then Jun gets an, gets a letter from his, from one of his friends back in Tokyo who invites him to come join him because he's starting a publishing company. Um, and Junichi is like, well, I'm gonna go do this because I got nothing better to do. Uh, and then Yuri, and, like, Yurika is, like, really mad because he's abandoning her. Uh, again, again, um, um, and then they, Yurika and uh, Ritsuko have a a combination, a combination, a conversation. <laughs> uh, you know, they they have this conversation after after they pull out the uh, the the ball of yarn that that Ritsuko is working on from the trash. You know, and and where she talks about like I finally decided to stop keeping my mouth shut and waiting for things to end. Um, so they kind of gas each other up. Yeah. Uh, and then Junichi goes to see there's a bunch of student protesters in uh, Sasebo who are, like, protesting letting the aircraft carrier into port there. Um, and then, you know, this is where Junichi decides to go. Um, uh, we're like, Junichi, like, really decides to go and go to Tokyo. And then so uh, Yurika then meets him at the train station. He's like, I told you not to meet me here. And she's like, I have four questions I want you to answer. <laughs> 
uh, if you try to dodge them, I'll get on this train with you. And then she asks, she asks him, like, why did you tell me not to see you off? And then he's like, I hate sad goodbye scenes. And she says, did you ever consider taking me with you? And then he says, the work I'm going to be doing is kind of a gamble. Either I took you with me, there's no guarantee I'd make any kind of living. And besides, you're still in high school. Um, and then she, like, she asks, like, please, please take me with you. Please take me with you. Well, she asks, she asks, is the third one, she, why did yes. you ever have sex? She asks, why didn't you do anything more than kiss me? Uh, did, did you not touch me because you intended to leave from the start? And he says, no. I knew how much you cared about me. Um, uh, she's like, oh, okay, I'm going back to my own world. And then her parents come running down on the platform because they're pissed at her because she walked out of, like, a meeting, like, a, a matchmaking meeting where they were, like, setting her up with her future husband. Um, and then Junichi realizes, like, what that means, like, the sort of life that she's going to have to lead, like, the sort of yeah. just stupid, miserable life that she's going to have to have. Um, with her terrible parents, and then pulls her onto the train. Yeets her off the train. Yeah. No, a yeeting is throwing, not pulling. What's the reverse of a yoink? A yeet is a... What's the, what's the reverse, I mean? No, shut up. Don't... <laughs> Good on you! Uh, but yeah, yeah, then... He's like, well... That, that, like, uh, half a second I, before you understood what I said was the best moment of my life. <laughs> um, so he's like, I may suck, but I don't suck that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the train. So then Kaoru finds the gloves on his uh, piano. Um, the gloves that Ritsuko knitted for him. Yeah. And his first thought is, oh, she made Centauro a scarf, and I got the leftovers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just totally like <laughs> brain incapable of imagining anything. Um, and then uh, you know he's like, I can't let myself get my hopes up. Yeah, I've already been rejected once. Um, you know, and then there's there's the bit where Centauro doesn't even get does he doesn't even get to keep the painting. <laughs> oh, he doesn't even get to. Yeah. So yeah. So because Yoka uh involved in a scandal her, her entire existence must be erased from the school and so they take down her horrible horrible painting which for some reason was on display as <laughs> um. a warning to future art students yeah and then uh Kaoru is like if this painting's important <laughs> I was like, no, I, I got to say goodbye to it. <laughs> Internally thinking, thank God. Yeah, I need I to say goodbye to, to look at this. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then Kaoru asks Sentaro, like, did you get anything you needed as a gift for Christmas? And then Sentaro's like, yeah, and then pulls out this, like, tiny little, like, knitted, like, string of yarn. It's like, Sachiko <laughs> gave it to me yesterday. But, like, Kaoru, in, like, the split second between when, uh, when, when he asks when Sentaro pulls it out is, is like, I knitted Sentaro a sweater and used the leftover yarn to make the mittens. And yeah. he's like, that's cruel, but it figures. So, yeah, and then they discover that Sentaro is, like, gonna fail a grade and then he's probably gonna have to drop out of school because he he really he can't afford to keep going not because he can't afford like he can't afford to keep paying to go to school but because like if he if it takes him that long to graduate like it's he's just not gonna be able to support his family um you know so calder like devotes himself like we're gonna we're gonna sit in your room and you're gonna get good at english so then seiji seiji challenges them to perform at the the culture festival and Kaoru gets sick um, and and is, like, laid up at home. And then Ritsuko comes to visit visit him with, like, Sentaro, like, is like, you need to go visit. You need to go visit him. I'll show you where his house is. 
Um, and then Kaoru like misinterprets the scenario because he sees, uh, he sees like Sentaro and and Ritsuko walking up the street together, and then only Ritsuko comes to visit him and is like, "Oh, you don't actually want to come here. Sentaro made you." And she's like, "No, I didn't want to come here because I actually like you too much, basically." Um, or like, and then she's about to leave. Also, the idea of visiting someone while they're sick is so wild right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, really can't really can't relate to this show yeah un- unrelatable but yeah so yeah uh, right because they have that conversation <laughs> where Ka- where Kaoru's in the bath uh at Sentaro's place <laughs> right. uh and then Kaoru is still like fucking lashing himself to the cross uh and and Ritsuko is just fed up with how much of a how much of a fucking little baby he is um okay and then Kaoru is sick uh and then he Ritsuko comes and visits him and then Kaori, like, finally, in his adult state, develops the confidence to realize what's going on and, like, stumbles out the front door, you know, and is, yeah. and is, tells her how much he loves her. And he, he, even in this state, he still can't, he still can't just straightforwardly say anything. He's like, I'm not muscular. Maybe I'm not as manly as I should be. Maybe when it comes to my feelings for you, I'm second to no one. And then you see, it's like a, a really, like, Ferris Bueller's day off moment where, Kaoru's sister, or, like, uh, yeah, sister is, is, like, in, her cousin or whatever, is, like, in the house, is, like, in the house watching this happen, and, like, looks directly at the camera and goes, that was really something, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, hooray, hooray, mutual understanding. Yes, mutual understanding. So uh, then they get challenged by Seiji to play at the culture festival, and then they're, uh... So it's been, it's been a year since the last one where they... Had there, right? Yes, it's been a year since Lost Coast Festival. Now so, it's summer again. Since, since they had, since the, the amps broke and yeah. they had to come in. So, yeah, it's, it actually takes place over a larger time scale yeah. than I'm, I might have thought. Yeah, I think probably, I think two years, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. So, so he, well, because he transfers in as a, like the beginning of the second year and then he yeah. graduates at the end. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's two years. Um, uh, so yeah, so they and then they they very excitedly go up and they're like picking through all the records, trying to decide all the songs that they're gonna play, and then they decide that they really need to one up. Um, Say they really, they, well, they need to, they, and they also need to one up what they did last year, uh, uh, and so they decide like, oh, we we need somebody to sing, and then they're just like, well, Ritsuko, I'm afraid that you're you're you've been drafted into the Jazz Wars. <laughs> if you die in your if you die in your tombstone doesn't say rest in peace on it, you are automatically drafted into the Jazz Wars. So they're all really excited about it. And then we find out that um, Sentaro is, Sentaro's dad is coming home. Right. Uh, and Sentaro sort of secretly decides that he's gonna, that he's gonna run away. Uh, he's gonna run away from home because he didn't want to deal with his dad. And he lets, he lets Sarah Vaughn go into the, into the wilderness. Oh, the patient, that's true. Yeah. Um, so then episode 11 Kaoru is like gets up really early in the morning and goes and waits outside of Sentaro's house and then Sentaro is like leaving with his bag and then Kaoru's like, Where are you going this early in the morning? <laughs> um you know, and then they have a fight um you know over Sentaro wanting to leave, you know, you know, and, and Kaoru asks him, like, since when did you become such a coward? Where's the guy that told me nothing good comes out of being afraid? Um and then like the the whole family wakes up because there's two guys having a street fight outside uh <laughs> and screaming at each other uh and so and so Sentaro can't can't run away all right and then Sentaro's dad comes back and Sentaro meets sees his dad for the first time in years 
uh, and it gets given a, a, fo- a gift a gift of a fountain pen. Send the gift of becoming a pen nerd. <laughs> oh yeah, and this is the scene where Mitsuko gets gets recruited because Kaoru complains that we don't have any razzmatazz. No razzmatazz. Um. So yeah, so then they start practicing. They're going to get her to sing my favorite things. Um. And then there's this great corny in her, in her scene little wavering English. Yeah, and there's this great corny scene where uh, they're talking about their own favorite they're talking things, about their own favorite things, and they're all laying on the floor with it next to next to a copy of John Coltrane's My Favorite Things. Um, and then Sentaro, like Kaoru, leaves to go home, and and Sentaro notices that Kaoru left the score for the music uh, on his piano stand. He's like, "Oh, I'll go return it to him," and gets on his moped uh, with. Uh, it gets, it gets on his moped and then drives to, goes to drive to Kaoru's house and then gets into a car accident. Um, and then Kaoru doesn't know about this. And so he shows up at school the next day for the culture festival and, uh, is like, they're standing around like, Sentaro is late. Why is Sentaro late? You know? Um, and then here's, and then Ritsuko shows up and is like, Sentaro's in the hospital. Like there's, they got into a motorcycle accident. Like it's fucking crazy. She's a direct quote. Um, and then Kaoru like sprints to the hospital and busts in, and then it's it's a it's a cl- classic classic visiting a hospital scene where it, like gets in line behind the people and is like, is there a guy here by the name of Sentaro? And they're like, you need to wait in line. He's like, fuck this, and then just runs to the hospital until he finds them. <laughs> and then he has this conversation where with with Sentaro's family, they're like, well, they finished operating, but it's serious head trauma. Still hasn't regained consciousness. Might never wake up again. The doctor said, uh, and then. Kaoru is like, no, he like he gets into fights and gets right back up again. And then uh, his her, his mom is like, uh, Sachiko's the one who's in there. And then he's like, oh, I don't give a shit about her uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because yeah. she was she was riding on the back of of Sentaro's bike. Yeah. And he go- he goes up onto the roof, which for some reason is covered is like a bu- has like a bunch of sheets on clotheslines on it. Um. And then there's then, a lo and, and behold, there's a human-shaped lump covered in a sheet. It's oh shit! It's a mirror of the scene from the first episode. Oh fuck! Uh, and then Centauro, he's his arm is broken or something. His arm is in a sling. Yeah. Um. You know. And then they hug each other. Uh. Like he hugs like Centauro's head into his into his chest, and it's like this way we don't have to see each other cry. And then <laughs> Centauro's like, "What do you mean we?" I and then he's like, "It's okay to cry, Centauro. You've been keeping it bottled up all this time." Uh, and then after that, Sentaro disappears. Um, he leaves. He, he look. It, you know, Kaoru's like, it's well, time of the- uh, uh, Sachiko wakes up. Yeah, Sachiko wakes and, up. And then he leaves, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he leaves. Yeah. And he, 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 they know he's left because he left, because one of the things that we, we haven't talked about is how he always wears a rosary around his neck, which is the thing that you're, that they repeatedly emphasize you're not supposed to do with a rosary. <laughs> <laughs> a rosary is not a necklace. Uh, but he wears it as a necklace. But yeah, like he had been talking to uh, Kaoru about like how he can't protect anyone. He always just ends up hurting people and so on and so forth. Uh, and so even though Sachiko wakes up, uh, like the guilt over it is too much. Yeah. So he, so he, he just goes away. Um, and then, you know, Kaoru and Ritsuko are standing on a bridge and they're talking. He's like, what if he never comes back? Um, and then Kaoru goes to the church and asks the priest, like, do you know where he might have gone? And the priest is like, I have no idea. Um, and then gives him back the rosary that Kaoru found on, like, the door handle, 
when he left it behind and the priest is like he once told me the reason he always wore the rosary as a necklace was because he he was afraid that if he lost it he would be abandoned by the world <laughs> and then kaoru you know goes down into the basement of the uh of the record store and starts playing very very badly playing the drums <laughs> just, just you know and then he you know uh Ritsuko's dad comes down and is like, "Oh, I thought Sentura had come back." And Kyle's like, "Pops, he's not—he's not coming back. I'll never be able to practice with him again." Uh, and then we're on the last episode. The last episode <laughs> where uh, Kaoru—they've—they've they've opened, they've opened up the roof. It's not Kaoru's special place anymore. There's a, just a bunch of dipshits up there. God, yeah, they're all just—they're all just like just running around, being nerds, having fun. Yeah. Uh, it's not his special it, it, this place scene, anymore. This bit reminded me a lot of the end of of Utena, when where everybody's talking about like, oh, there is this girl called Utena who is here. Like, people don't really remember him uh, or remember her, and like, because like all these people are like, I heard they're like, I heard of this third year thug was monopolizing the key to the roof up. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and there are all these people who are just like talking about rumors about Sintaro and just like talking shit about him, and Kaido has to hear all this stuff because he, even though he knows none of it's true. Uh, and Seiji is like, oh, we're playing volleyball with the girls. You want to join in? And he's like, and Kaoru's like, fuck, absolutely not. No. <laughs> uh, uh, and Seiji is like, I know you're lonely without Kawabuchi, but you have to get over it. And Kaoru is like, did this motherfucker actually just say that to me? And it's like, you're right. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then Ritsuko turns, is like, turns hey, right around and walks yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. And then Ritsuko is is eating eating lunch with just like just some girl, <laughs> just somebody, um, you know, who talks to her about like, oh, you can't just wait. You need to make things happen yourself. Because, um, yeah, because Kaoru has been ignoring her again yeah. uh, because of his grief over Sentara. Yeah. Uh, so then because, Kaoru... yeah, like kind of like the, the like a theme, I don't know if the theme is the right thing, but kind of. Like their the rela- the relationship at least like between Kaoru and Ritsuko doesn't work when like Sentaro either isn't around or is at odds with Kaoru. Uh and so that like there seems like there's often like an implied like which is why which is why I like I was complaining that it could that it could have been and should have been like a polycule because Often it's imp- it's implied that there's this kind of this necessary connection between all three of them. It is implied, but also, I mean, I think I think one thing is that I I interpret Sentaro as being asexual, basically, uh-huh. uh, be- especially because of like the w- interaction that he has with Yurika and and like his he seems to have this sort of very distanced relationship with with romance and sex in a way that he. Like, Kaoru is always having to, like, push him to do this stuff. Even though he's not, like, mm-hmm. Sentaro is not, like, a, like, a coward or anything like that. Right, he's not, right. like, he's not, like, a, he's a person who will just sort of say whatever he thinks, you know? And, like, if he, but, like, Kaoru is always having to push him to interact with these girls and stuff like that. Because yeah. Sentaro doesn't really want to. Um, right. You know? And, like, I mean, obviously, at the end of the show, and this is spoiler for me that happens five minutes from now, but, like, Sentaro becomes a priest. Yeah. You know, so he's clearly totally fine with the idea that he's never going to like be able to have a romantic or sexual relationship with anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's a, yeah, but, that's a good point. You know, and I think like the thing that connects Ritsuko and and Kaoru is that they both have the same character flaw or a similar character flaw, which is that 
they're both they both just completely lack confidence yeah. or they're both they're both people who just sort of let life happen to them rather than Sentaro, who is a person who takes the initiative uh, yeah. but Sentaro sort of lacks emotional availability um in a, in a lot of ways uh, or or sees himself as 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 having to sort of reserve his emotions because he doesn't want to hurt other people um or at least not emotionally hurt other people he's very into physically hurting other people <laughs> uh, um but yeah but like Ritsuko and and Kaoru like both of them struggle throughout the entire show with the idea of actually like taking the initiative and and doing things you know um and that's that's sort of the reason why and that's why Sentaro sort of completes the triangle is because he can force them he's to interact the, he's the catalyst right yeah he he's a catalyst things, you know he makes he, he makes, makes things interact happen. you know and like as we see in the scene so ritsuko invites kaoru up to like hey you want to go study you know and it, it's it's you know like hey you want to come over to my house and kaoru's like oh not really i'm i, I can't i'm bill evans and she's like oh my parents aren't home <laughs> Sorry. Um, so then they go upstairs to study, and there's the the there's uh, Ritsuko has like a picture of the three of them, or the two of them actually. Ritsuko has this picture of Sentaro and Kaoru on on her desk. Uh, that that and Kaoru just doesn't just doesn't want to see that shit. And there's the te- the tension in this scene is high, where they're both just sitting yeah. around, and like Kaoru is is explaining some like English English grammar stuff to Ritsuko. Um, and then Kaoru tries to kiss her, and then because he can't do anything by by himself, he tries to like be assertive and take the initiative, but he winds up just being an asshole. Um, yeah, so like, he, like yeah, so like he like he pushes her down, and then uh, as and if then they're she- gonna, and then he like whispers in her ear, like I'm glad Sentaro's gone. Now, now I can just, be with, yeah, now I can be alone with you whenever I just want. Two of us, and then she's and, and then she kicks like, him off. And then she's, she's like, like what, what the fuck, what the, man? What the fuck is wrong with you? You know, like, you know, and, and he realizes in that moment, like, I didn't fucking mean that, obviously. I'm just mad at, like, because Kaoru is just mad at Sentaro for leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's just taking it out on Ritsuko. Yeah. And, and on everybody. Uh, yeah, on everybody. And yeah. so, he, like, yeah, so he he leaves and it's like, also, I have to, yeah, and, no, and then he says, Ritsuko, I, I haven't been able to say this before, but I'm going to a college in Tokyo, and then just leaves. Uh, so yeah, and then he, he runs out and he's like sprinting down the street. He's like, I'm scum, the lowest of the low. <laughs> Damn it, why did things turn out like this? <laughs> um, and then, and then he goes and he does, he, like, he does the fucking, uh, say anything, like, window shouting thing, but he doesn't have, what he absolutely needed was to be holding a boombox over his head, blasting Bill Evans. <laughs> um, yeah, have we talked about the joke, the Bill Evans joke that... Yeah, so we need, so, Bill Evans, so, for those of you who don't know, Bill Evans is a jazz pianist. Uh, he played with Miles Davis, and he was, uh, very successful as a leader of his own band. He's fantastic. Uh, very str- If you... Listen, if you've never, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never gotten into jazz, uh, I would strongly recommend that you check out the Bill Evans album, You Must Believe in Spring. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Uh, incredible. One of the, one of, one of, one of my favorites. Um, anyway, so Bill Evans is a jazz pianist, uh, and there is a, a sort of running gag where, uh, Kaoru will, like, he has like bangs and I'll like push his bangs up because Bill Evans has sort of like this comb back carry style and I'll push his bangs up, uh, and pretend to be Bill Evans. Cause he has like Bill Evans, glasses. Um, and, and that's it. That's basically it. 
I, yeah. I was expecting you to say something. <laughs> you were just silent. You left. You left me all alone on the fucking moon. <laughs> You abandoned me in my time of need. In my time of podcast need. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, suffice to say, he does not hold the boombox no, with his head to... while he... Yeah. Well, that's how used to go, being like, I'm sorry, I'm sh- shit, but yeah. I did love you. Yeah. Bas- basically. Is yeah. It... I, I thought I took screenshots of this interaction, but apparently I didn't. Um, but yeah, that's basically it. He apologizes to her uh, for being such an asshole, and then leaves uh, through the yeah. window. Um, well, no, her dad through the window. Yeah, yeah, like from the ground up to her yeah. room. Yeah, he's he's hollering. But then he yeah, because he because he I think he went there to go and say goodbye to. Uh, right, because he's graduated. Yeah, because he's graduated, um, so he went there to go say the, goodbye to uh, to Ritzko's dad. The the the, the short guitar nerd became super popular with the girls uh, because of it. And then... Uh, yeah, he had his fucking Neville Longbottom arc completed. Ta-da. Uh, yeah, and so he's... Gra- so Kaori's graduating and leaves. Um, and, and then he leaves uh, and he, go- he goes and gets on the train and we have another... You know, a moment that, that recalls the train scene from Millennium Actress where Ritsuko, like... Mm-hmm. Um, oh, right. Yeah, like, like uh, he, like, Kaoru is, um, is getting on the train, and, like, his family's there, and, like, Ritsuko's dad is there, and, and uh, Ritsuko's dad is like, Ritsuko didn't come with me, but I, I think, she, I think he's like, she made this for you or something like that, and, like, gives him a bento or something like that. Um, and then... As um, usual. As usual. And then Kaoru, you know, the door's closed in the train, and the train starts going, and then Ritsuko just fucking sprints onto the train platform and is running, no. running down, you know, and then... You know, and then she she collapses onto her knees at the end of the train platform as the train goes away because she couldn't catch up to it. Uh, and then we get a flash forward. I love a good time skip. I love a good time skip. So now it is, I think, like a decade. Unfortunately, later? eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Unfortunately, right now, I don't think this is especially good at time skip. I actually kind of really like the ending of this show. We'll um, so Kaoru is now a doctor. He's a resident. He's a resident doctor at a hospital in Tokyo. He's graduated from medical school. Um, and then we get to see that Seiji is now a, a rock star on the on the television. Um, or Ka- Kaoru meets up with Yurika in the uh, yeah. By chance he meets her because because she's pregnant. She's pregnant, uh, uh, and so and- well, it's not. I guess it's not entirely by chance. She's going around uh, because she so she has a photograph of. Oh who's, yeah, of Sentaro. Whose wedding? Oh, I think it's just some people's wedding. Okay, so somehow she got a, this photograph of a wedding. Yeah, and the priest, just, like maybe somebody that like she knows, but like the we the yeah. audience don't know from back in Kyushu. And it's and there's oh, a person yeah. there's a person in that photograph who just have the priest who just happens to look exactly like Sentaro. And then, holy shit! Um, uh-huh. And so he just fucking books it yeah he books it he, he by you know, gets plane on train. train automobile uh, uh out, out to the middle of nowhere uh japan kyushu um 
And then he goes, and then there's another callback. I, 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 I they kind of blew the callback in the in the in episode eleven, the callback to the sheet thing. Because uh, oh, then they do yeah. the, they do the callback again, except he walks into the church and there's a sh- the same sheet covering the drum set. Right. Um, and then he walks he walks over to the uh, to the or the church organ and starts playing moaning on it. Uh, and then Centauro hears him because he's like out playing with with like a bunch of the kids that are like that are at the orphanage, um, and and he hears it and he's like, I always knew this day would come. <laughs> uh, and then he walks in and starts playing the drums, and then all the kids run in and they're all really excited to hear jazz because kids love jazz. Kids love jazz. Kids love jazz, and they they just you know shred shred on sick, for sick for a little while. Or- organ rendition. Yeah. yeah, I will. I will be honest. I did. I did almost cry. Oh. <laughs> um, and then that's the end of the show. Basically, no, or, not quite. Then not the quite. old priest comes in, be like, "You cringe Damn. with your with your, your jazz music." <laughs> and so they they run away like like children. Yeah. Run down this slope. Ah, different slope. But while while the outro music plays and then at the base who who is it who is it meeting them there holding a photograph it's ritsuko uh and scene and scene um so you said you had thoughts on the ending yeah so um so it's like what so let's see why look why did they why did they all break up at the like at the end of high school it was because like centauro was played by grief um over over Sachiko and just and his, also, yeah, he's probably like, and like he just didn't want to be around his fucking dad. Uh, yeah, and his dad, as and, as Keith J. Carberry so eloquently said, a dad is like a cop that you have to live with. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah, and so, um, his yeah, his constant sense of like familial inadequacy uh, is takes him off. Um, Ritsuko and. Um, and and that is what what breaks apart Mitsuko and Kaoru is that um like because they're both such like passive kind of people uh and because of how important Sadar is to both of them they c- can't kind of like handle yeah a healthy relationship um without his, without his kind of stabilizing influence and so they break apart and so so it feels like at the, at, after time skip, like what needs to be, what needs to change in that, in, in the, like in that dynamic for them to come back together again. It's like Centauri needs to forgive himself, uh, like and and so and so and so and I don't know if he, I don't know if he does or not. But what my first question was like, so obviously he he hasn't reached out to anyone in eight years. It was complete complete chance that uh, Eureka saw him in a photograph and. Um, told Kaoru and Ritsuko yeah. where he was, and so why, why has he chosen to remain anonymous until now? I think because he's ashamed. Because he's ashamed because he ran away. He doesn't you seem know? ashamed I mean, when when Kaoru shows up. He seems like, pretty well, yeah, because it's been eight freaking years. But like, I think that at a certain like once you've been away for a long enough time, it becomes more difficult to. I I didn't, I didn't have any problem with that with that really at all. I think I think it made sense. If because Amiya um, uh, also, it's kind of unclear wh- how whether or not Ritsuko knows that Centauro is there. Um, what do you mean? Or, or at least, it, I mean, it's not explicitly stated either way. I mean, it's kind of that it's kind it's at least implied that she do, she didn't know that Centauro was a priest at the, oh. that church. 
I actually let me let me reopen that episode and find it and and just see what is going on in that last shot. Yeah, I I I guess I think what I wanted out of that out of the time skip was a bit more in terms of like can they like have a healthy relationship this time around? I because cause that's that's the thing because part of what I I liked about this show was the way that it wasn't everybody's sort of able to move on with their lives you know like this is right. like like they're all they're happy to be back together but like this show it doesn't subscribe to the idea that like oh the person the people that you are friends with in high school are the people you have yeah, to be friends yeah. with for the rest of your life you know also uh right. Ritsuko is is in this shot she's so she's holding a postcard mm-hmm. um which a thing that's so that might have been sent. So oh, I thought that was the photo. I thought that was the photograph that Yuriko no, gave her. No, she. Oh, she's. she's huh? It's. Un, it, there, we don't get to see what is on the other side of it. Oh, okay. So she's just holding. She's holding a postcard, and it's sort of unclear that might be a postcard that Sentaro sent her. She might not even be living in Sasebo anymore. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or alternatively, this might be a completely different church, and in a completely different part of Kyushu, maybe. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think it's clear, and I also don't think it matters. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but what were you saying about her? Like- um, you know, like, like, I guess, like, I was kind of dreading that, like, the idea that, like, the ending of the show would would involve like Kaoru and 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 Ritsuko like getting together in some way. And uh-huh. what I liked about this show was that it wasn't it it refused to like give. Kaoru Ritsuko as like a reward for character growth. I mean that I, I don't. That's not what I was like. That's not I'm something not say- I would want. I'm not saying that's what, you, which, that's what you would want, yeah. but I'm, I'm not sure like, how you could necessarily expound on their relationship or like be like, oh, they get to have a healthy relationship now. It's like, like the thing is, is that like Kaoru doesn't like this is just sort of a temporary excursion like kaoru is a right, resident right. at a hospital like he like this doesn't get to just be the rest it's, of his life and so yeah so maybe maybe what kind of threw me was the clash between that and kind of the the way it was framed at like most because most of these like post time skip reunions are kind yeah. of more kind of idealized like yeah and so and so yeah this definitely guess, is not this is much i more guess since, i guess since it, i guess since it wasn't like it felt weird to kind of leave kind of leave that door open almost yeah like i really appreciate like it goes with a lot of i think it's the sort of realism of the rest of the show that i appreciated which was that i appreciated that it wasn't this sort of formulaic or or like e- easy to easy to digest kind of kind of ending and and yeah it's definitely framed in that way or like it's like the music and the the animation definitely make it seem yeah. happier than i think that the actual events are because i think that it's actually a very bittersweet sort of thing and that maybe you know like one so- could appreciate like another episode of this of them I don't know, cont- or resolving the fact that like Kaoru is he lives in Tokyo now. He's a doctor. Yeah, so like, I, he... so I th- yeah, I think I I think I actually wanted wanted like it to like 
commit one way or the other to either yeah. like to, to the to act to that that more kind of like bittersweet ending if instead of yeah instead of just kind of ending on them kind of as soon yeah. as they're back in the same place but i also time. think that that for me it's sort of connected to the idea of like it's it's sort of connected to the idea of 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 mu- the the fact that like these people these are people who were very talented musicians when they were young and like Kaoru says he doesn't even play the piano anymore when he's talking to Yurika, yeah. Yeah. you know and like these people were very talented musicians when they were young and then life got in the way and now they're not really anymore you know like yeah. they don't they don't really get to do that and like like the idea and it's 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 sort of very unclear like how the show feels about this or it, it and I I kind of respect the show for not necessarily like pushing so much of, of like this is good this is bad or like it just sort of mm-hmm. is like the ending yeah. you know like like this is the yeah. way things are in this world um or for these characters is that you know and the rejection or the sort of soft rejection of like seiji's like s- pursuit of fame and like the musical career versus like this idea that like music is something that you do for the sake of the music and not necessarily to get famous doing it yeah. Uh, you know, and that that sort of like it is very sh- sort of bittersweet and very, but also like very realistic and interesting to see a show like this that has its characters, you know, all grown up and just sort of living normal lives. Yeah, no, I mean that like that's that like I really liked that part of the time skip, and it was and yeah, it was more that I wanted that to be kind of more. I like I I would have liked a, just so maybe a longer time skip to kind of to kind a longer of, time uh, skip or just like a little bit more maybe a little bit more resolution or something like like I yeah. would like to see these characters sort of I want to see what these characters think about how life has turned out for them yeah you know? yeah I want to yeah. see how they feel about it and whether the show decides that like that like well this is the way things kind of have to be you know and we and, and we get some of that and we get some of that for Kaoru like like we get a, a bit of a sense of a bit of a sense of his kind of that he's not he's not like happy in kind of like an overt sense but he's not miserable yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, so he's, like he's Centauro seems long life. Centauro seems finally at peace yeah but we don't really know about Ritsuko she gets yeah. sidelined again as usual yeah that 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 is probably my least thing, favorite thing about this show is how and there are like there are moments especially in the second half of the show where Ritsuko really gets to be a character and where really Ritsuko we really get to see a lot of her and her decision making process and her thoughts and like the yeah. ending of the show just doesn't feel you know the ending of the show very much cements this as some as a story about Sentaro and and Kaoru and not about yeah. Ritsuko you know, yeah, which, that's, uh, yeah. which on the one hand I kind of like because I'm 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 happy that this isn't some fucking bullshit hetero romance story, <laughs> but on the other you know, and I I think it's it's neat to have a story like this about this like friendship between two men. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she is a character, yeah. like, yeah, do, can it you, is, do, like it is sort of frustrating how little uh, either we, either either do her justice or or not yeah, at all. How we just don't yeah we just don't get to find out anything about about her life. Right, she like, yeah, yeah. It's almost like when the, after after their reunion, she's almost an afterthought. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. Kaoru and Sentaro, yeah. We get to find out Kaoru is a doctor now. Sentaro is a priest now, and he works with orphans. And 
Ritsuko is nobody. <laughs> we have no idea. We have no idea what Ritsuko is doing. She's dressed like an office lady. That's all we know. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we've pretty much... I think we, I think that's Kids on the Slope. That, 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 that sounds about right. Um, it is called Kids on the Slope. Yeah. And it begins and ends on a slope. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so we got, we got an email. Oh, shit. Not, that is not about... Uh, kids on the slope. This is actually a, okay. a response uh, from a, to our Animatrix episode. Oh my! Yes. Uh, All right. So Mason writes. First off, I want to say I really enjoy your podcast and analysis, and thank you. But I don't know oh. if you knew or have been informed, but Keanu Reeves is Asian Canadian and identifies with his Asian background. I apologize if someone has already let you know. And this is. In response to me complaining about Keanu Reeves just being the white guy who says everything in the Matrix. Uh, um, and I wanted to talk about this email because I didn't, one, I didn't know this, and it is true. And secondly, I don't think it matters. Uh, and I don't <laughs> think it changes the way that I interpret the Matrix at all. Because Keanu Reeves feeling a connection to the, I believe he's Chinese or he's, he's part Chinese and feeling a connection to, to that part of himself does not necessarily like an actor being something does not necessarily make the character that thing mm-hmm. first, for, first and foremost. Um, and especially because like, the reason Keanu Reeves is cast in that movie and the, the sort of role that he plays is as the everyman and specifically as the sort of white everyman, you know, like he is a white guy software developer who like, works in an office and like you know he has a very sort of genetic i what what is his what is his name in in that movie thomas Thomas anderson thomas anderson this very generic white guy name you know and so like even if keanu reeves because like first first, like obviously keanu reeves just looks like a white guy like he doesn't look (laughs) asian like you know and like that's like we we can't like re- retreat into like the sort of like this sort of nineteenth century logic of blood quanta, where like being like you know a quarter Asian like magically makes you Asian. You know it's 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 race is socially constructed, and even and and it's of course complicated in this way. But a huge part of it is the way that other people treat you. Um, yeah. You know, which isn't to deny like Keanu Reeves or anybody else who's who's mixed race, their agent, their their heritage. I mean, I also am. Um, I'm Puerto Rican and Italian. You know, like, um, so it, it. But it. But also, like, I look white. You know, I don't think of myself as in, in much the same way that I can be both Latino and white. Keanu Reeves can be both Asian and white because he has this. He has this sort of cultural background that he that he identifies with, which is cool, and that's totally fine. But everybody who looks at Keanu Reeves just sees a white guy, and he's cast like a white guy, and he is coded like a white guy in that movie, and he behaves, you know, like like everybody treats him like a white guy, and that's what matters because none of this stuff is actually real. <laughs> like whiteness and Asianness are completely fake and made up concepts that don't exist and have no empirical basis. So literally, the only thing that matters as to what category you're in is how other people treat you and how you and how you imagine yourself to a certain extent, but. So funny. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about Book Turkman, but I, I just read uh, Passing by Nell Larson. Mm. It was about a, a woman in the 20s who can pass as white, and so 
she ends up marrying a white man and like a very rich white man and entering kind of that wealthy uh, stratus. But then uh-huh. she feels like deeply disconnected from herself and her history and her culture and start and by chance happens to meet a old friend of hers from school who's black um, and starts kind of hanging out with her and trying to kind of get involved in black life again to reconnect and trying to straddle these two worlds. Yeah. And this, that, that is also the plot or very related to the plot of the William Faulkner novel light in August, uh-huh. uh, which is about a, a man who passes as white, but who believes himself to be of, he believes himself to be mixed race. And his it's a, a large section of the book is about him trying to find evidence to either conform or deny this, this belief that he has. Um, it's late in August. Great book. Uh, strong recommend. Not my, not what I'm going to recommend this week, but is a, is a really good book about, about that sort of stuff. Um, so Alex, do you have a book to recommend or are you just going to recommend passing? <laughs> uh, I could. Yeah. So I'll, 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 I'll save that one for later. So yeah, passing by Nell Larson. Um, it's very good. It's, it's, yeah. So it's basically, it's the main, um, structures between the, the, these two women, uh, Claire Kendry is the one who is passing, and then uh, her friend Irene Redfield uh, is the friend she kind of reconnects with. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's funny because like it was written in twenty nine, and so it's like a book about about race and passing, but like there's some definite like subtext between the two like sexual subtext between the two female characters and so like some like scholars have like like oh it's a a novel passing as a book about race but it's also about being super gay Um, (laughs) which is which is cute and partly true but like it's like it's 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 first and foremost about race uh but yeah, it's very good. Um, so, passing by Nella Larson. I am going to recommend, this is the most niche recommendation that I will ever make on the show. Probably. I can't guarantee anything. But I can I can almost guarantee that this is the most niche recommendation that either of us will ever make on, on this show. I'm going to recommend the book 20th Century Harmony by Vincent Persichetti. Um, <laughs> which is a book that will only be of interest to you if you are a jazz musician. Uh, but it is so relevant, I can't pass up the opportunity to talk about one of my favorite books. So, 20th Century Harmony is a book, uh, if you have, if you are a musician and you have even a passing interest in jazz, I would strongly recommend reading it. So it is, it is, as its title says, a overview of harmonic techniques used in the first half of the 20th century across both classical music and jazz. Um, and it is, it's probably the best book about music that I've ever read. Um, because it comes at it from this very, it comes at it from a very descriptivist angle, where it's, it's sort of, so it's ordered in chapters of like, like the first chapter is about intervals, and it's, it's about like, here are all of the different musical intervals, and here are how people use them, and it, and then it talks about chords, and here are different kinds of chords, and how people use them, and here are different techniques for creating new chords, and stuff like that. Um, and it, it gets into some pretty avant-garde stuff. Some pretty like just g- galaxy giant brain. Like one of my favorite things from that book is mirror chords, which is a kind of chord mm-hmm. where you take a chord and then you pick a pivot note and then you reconstruct the same chord in reverse, like upside down with all the intervals flipped 
uh, below the pivot note, like the same distance below the pivot note as the other chord is above the pivot note. Um, and it sounds insane. It sounds completely (laughs) insane, but it's really, really cool. Uh, and you can do really, some really fun stuff, like, with, like, locked hands piano playing with mirror chords. Um, and it's, it sounds, like, super crazy and dissonant and really out there. It's, it's great. Great stuff. Um, you know, but, and he'll talk about these harmonic takings, and it's basically just, like, a a survey and, of, of all of this stuff. And it, it helps if you can read sheet music to understand this book, because there are a lot of sheet music examples in it, but, um, I don't know how to read sheet music and I got plenty out of it. Um, just from the descriptions of the, um, well, I kind of know. I like, if you, you don't have to be able to like sight read sheet music, but if you know, like the basics of how it works, it'll be a lot more useful to you. Um, and, but you know, and I, I got tons, tons of ideas and, and stuff out of this book. It's a really, really great resource. If you're interested in, ways of writing chords and chord progressions for songs that are less conventional than you might have been taught in school if you ever took classes on musical composition uh or that you usually or that you usually hear you know in songs on the radio or whatever um and yeah it's really really good because he he has this Vincent Persichetti has this very fantastic sort of way of, of writing and describing the specific characters of different types of chords and stuff like that, that give you this very sort of like sort of visceral sense of what these chords sound like and what they do. So, uh, strong recommend if you're a musician, uh, that's 20th century harmony by Vincent Persichetti. So next month for our spooky October episode, it's going to come out on October 1st. So it's not, it's a little bit distant, but all of October is Halloween now. Um, True. so we're going to watch Ayakashi Samurai Horror Tales, or, or it's also in Japan, it's called Ayakashi Japanese Classic Horror. Um, uh, and it is an adaptation of three, it is a, how many episodes is it? It's an 11 episode adaptation of three stories, three classic Japanese horror stories. Um, done, it has, it has this really like cool art, like really stylized art style that almost reminds me of, uh, Night of Short Walk on Girl. Um, and in a, in a lot of ways, it, it's really cool and stylized and like looks super, it has this sort of aesthetic to it that looks very much like sort of like Edo period, like Japanese art. Um, nice. which is really cool. Uh, so yeah, so that, that is it. It is directed by, uh, three, three directors, one for each story. So it's the first story is directed by Tetsuo Imazawa. The second story is directed by Kozo uh, Nagayama and the third story is directed by Kenji Nakamura. Um, and it was produced, uh, by Toei Animation. Uh, where Alex? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so you can find me at Twitter. Uh, dun dun dun. Uh, Mastodon at Catalina at selfie dot army at selfie with a Y. I stream on trash dot cloud. And that's all I can reveal at this moment. <laughs> that's all your. That's all that uh, we have the clearance level to hear. So you can find me on Twitter at prophet underscore goddess. You can find me on Mastodon at prophet underscore goddess at skeleton dot cool. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash prophet underscore goddess. And you can play video games that I've made at prophetgoddess.itch.io. No underscore. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at Animators for Jerks. You can send us emails about anything that we've said in this podcast or any of our other podcasts, or just if you send us an email, we will almost certainly read it because we never get any emails. Uh, so you can send us emails. <laughs> yeah, we're at a anime, captive audience. Yeah, at animatorsforjerks at, at gmail.com. 
Uh, like literally last month, I read some spam that we received. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, bar that, that, the bar is, is so low. Um, and and you can find the show on Mastodon at Anime is for Jerks at Skeleton Cool. So we will see you all next month for some spooky Ooh. times. And remember, the map is not the territory. Shall